0: are listening to the Bondzilla Podcast. The Bondzilla Podcast is an ongoing analysis of two of cinema's longest-running franchises, James Bond and Godzilla. This week, the Bondzilla Podcast has a mission it chooses to accept, to take a look at Tom Cruise and some crazy stunts. It's 2018's Mission Impossible Fallout. Bond. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Bondzilla podcast. I am Nick. I'm Will. And uh, we're ready for some more Bond adjacent fun.
1: Yes. Happy upcoming holidays. Yes, it everybody. is.
0: It is December. It's the end of 2019. So we've yeah. been doing this podcast now. Uh, January will be our th- second. Wait, because it would be it'll be our third January doing this.
1: So this month. We have two movies that I'm familiar with, and I like to think it's a good one-two punch Christmas treat. Yes, for for several for, for several, various several reasons. reasons yeah. Yeah. because like Shin is going to be a real treat for us mm-hmm. to dive into. I think finally. Yeah, and uh, it works out because then we'll be like right at the end of the official uh, Toho canon. Yes, and then um, with this movie that we're talking about today yeah. is a you know it's it's a treat. Regardless of the time of year that oh yeah, that we talked about, it's it, always but, always a good time watching. Yeah, but but I, I I don't think I could ask for a more fun movie and, to, and to it's talk what, about. That's
0: among the reasons I picked yeah. it was and, because it was an easy easy like talk about December and, right. and a little little Christmas treat for everybody. And,
1: and you know, and we'll, we'll have to see um, exactly um, what your thoughts are on Shin when we get there. But I I have a good feeling that we're gonna end this year. On a more celebratory note, especially yeah. with each of our conversations, because I believe was all monsters attack a December. It was, yes. mo- yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, like we so that was we, our first December, December, and yeah,
0: and last year's December. If I can, I'm just gonna go. Were back. we?
1: I don't think were we in the the Heisei series or the. Let me
0: the, let me go check the where official
1: canon. Where were we? Uh, at that so point,
0: so we oh our December last year. Uh, our one-two punch, yeah. was Die Another Day, and uh, okay, uh, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla two.
1: Okay, all right, so not a complete yeah. loss.
0: And we weren't doing deep dives or news episodes then. So <laughs> That's it's, true. It's, yeah, it's one of those things when you look at our content, it's it's only upgraded in yeah. the past year. It's and it's been a, it's been, uh, for those of you listening, I, this is usually for the end of the podcast, but this is genuinely like the thing I look forward to every week it's this and watching weird ass Disney plus stuff. Now that's like my week and there, we do have a lot of good support and a lot of you care. And I know a lot of you have already asked about what the future of the podcast holds and we'll get into that once 2020 hits. But I do appreciate you guys listening and and still listening in and and being part of this kind of little tiny fan base that we have. It's kind of nice.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, definitely for everybody. You know, it, Again, no matter how how big or small an audience is, to have an audience at all is is is, is always fun. So yeah. can't give enough, can't get an, give enough cool dudes yeah. out there uh, a, a shout I mean, out. The I mean, cool I've... dudes of the world. Yeah, that you know at at this point, like instead of calling them like Bonzilla fans or listeners or Bonzillites or whatever, yeah. we should just call them all cool dudes. Yeah, the cool dudes for all the cool dudes out there because
0: yeah. And that, that'll apply to whatever gender you are. No, it,
1: the cool dude, Um, it's like yeah. the umbrella It's the umbrella just, term, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like, because I don't know who cool dude is yeah. at all. Like, yeah. could be a international person yeah. of mystery themselves. Yeah, they they could be, or a kaiju that's like listening for mm-hmm. some reason, you know, when they're in hibernation, they are just listening to our Bonzilla uh, ramblings. Maybe that's what's keeping them- to sleep mm-hmm. like they're using that or it's just like i just rewatched king of the monsters today yeah. maybe that's what they'll play on like when they hit the button on the orca <laughs> yeah. the bonzilla theme yeah, <laughs> it's playing and godora is like what is that some great insight on james bond and godzilla what films <laughs> and then he has three heads so he can listen to all different types of episodes they'll yeah. be like all right right head or like the furthest head you can take the bond stuff mm-hmm. no the godzilla stuff and then the leader he's going to take the bond stuff and then kevin who kevin is the dumbhead for those of you who haven't been he keeping up listening your... to our all monsters yeah. <laughs> he's not even listening to the deep dives and yeah. everything he's just listening to that episode on, on, on repeat that's one of our best yeah. episodes yeah uh but anyway so um, I don't know how we got onto that tangent, so let's bring it back. It's, it's well, you, to the you know ho- what? It's the, ho- the holiday it's, cheer. It's the holiday cheer. It's all over the place. It's crazy. It's exciting. Kind of reminds me a little bit of the film that we'll be talking about today. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And uh, so we're going into, uh, as you've probably seen by the episode title, we're going to be diving into the Mission Impossible series, um, which.
1: <gardeties> keep going no keep going with the episode oh uh,
0: and your mission should you choose to accept it is to listen to this episode find out a little bit more about the entire Mission Impossible franchise as we specifically talk about the latest installment uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. i don't know if it worked <laughs> out I hope they understood what that was
1: um <laughs> Mission Impossible is, is is an interesting franchise. It is. Very because interesting. Because one of the most interesting things about it is that I think for us and for many people, it has become one of those, a, a truly Bond-adjacent, yeah. um, or at least comes comes out in that series of films that owes something to James Bond, if not just the whole super spy. It's like um, the super
0: spy and the insane stunt thing, right? Which I think is both things that that the the James Bond franchise lends to Mission Impossible, right. Which is another reason why I definitely picked it, mm-hmm. uh, which I'll get deeper into once we talk about the
1: movie itself. But it falls into that category of, and then of course we'll get into this of, and we mention it several times in the show of one of those franchises that have in many ways embodied. A lot of those, either whether it be those tropes or those tone or those feelings of mm-hmm. the James Bond movies in the past, where it almost has made up for all the things that we have um, maybe pointed out that we're missing in the James Bond franchise, whether rightly so, like, you know, because we've gone back and forth whether Bond truly inhabits some of that stuff. But this is definitely a next evolution of some of that stuff that we have expected from Bond. Mm-hmm. So, and we've mentioned that a couple times on the show.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, and I think what's also interesting about Mission Impossible is that it's a franchise with a very interesting history, mm-hmm. um, and a, probably a deeper history than than some people really know. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of kind of its origins and sort of how the modern interpretation of the franchise evolved from simply a you know different beginnings. Right. I guess I would say. Yeah.
1: So let's get into it.
0: All right. So, the story of Mission Impossible begins in the the 1960s. Uh, So, on the basis of the success of Dr. No, what's kind of interesting is that there weren't as many um, spy films that are... You know, there were were different spy things coming out film-wise because of Bond. But within the 60s, partially because of the Bond success there was a real boon in spy television. Mm. That was where the spy genre really kind of came into its own, mostly because a lot of television producers saw this idea of like, well, the spy, you can have a different adventure every week. You know, you can easily put a team or a person or a set of, you know, a a organization into a different scenario and and a different part of the world or different sets or or keep it all in-house, whatever it may be, and easily kind of move it that way. So you had... You know, the U.K. had the Avengers series, Mm -hmm. um, but in America you had things like uh, The Man from U.N.C.L.E., which is an Ian Fleming-based idea, Mm -hmm. Uh, you had the I Spy series, you had Get Smart, and you had Mission Impossible. Right. So, Mission Impossible- And and
1: Get Smart being that, very much that parody of of James Uh, Bond. It's a
0: Get Smart being a Mel Brooks production. Mm -hmm. Right. but the origins of Mission Impossible as a series come from a man named Dan Briggs. Uh, and Dan was uh, partially inspired by heist movies, was the main inspiration for it. And he saw these heist movies and these caper movies and saw like the team formulating the plan mm-hmm. and, and executing the plan. And he um, thought that, well, you, we, it would be really interesting to shift this from the con men to like, the heroes, to the spies, to the lawmen. And kind of see them kind of come up with these plans to to get in and out and save people and and all this sort of stuff. And the mm-hmm. film was actually uh, Top Copy, mm-hmm. uh, which was a very famous heist movie within uh, the 60s era. Um, and so he basically wanted to kind of present this very plot-heavy show that dealt with a main guy putting together a team mm-hmm. and executing a plan that was his basic thing but the main thing that he actually had in mind for his version of a spy show was to basically as he put it no character development Mm -hmm. no character quote unquote Mm -hmm. the idea that he had which was very ambitious was that he basically wanted maybe a main guy that put together the team but the idea was well you know every there's this team and there's this pull people and they all have different expertise so it would be a different team every time it wouldn't oh, be the same team yeah. there so you might have people come back every once in a while right but at that at that point you probably wouldn't you know have the same team now, so it's
1: really just like the mission itself is the star of the show
0: yes um but he wanted it to be very again and very much like there you get into the plot they put the team together it's the plan very little kind of dialogue in that sense of, mm-hmm. like, you know, just everything's focused on the mission. Um, and even when writers would try to insert a little bit into those characters, uh, he would basically pull back on it. Mm-hmm. And that became a very distinctive part of the show. And the other distinctive part of the original uh, Mission Impossible series was its very stark format. Mm. Very much like early season of Phineas and Ferb, it was very much format, format, format. You had, they got the mission. You know, they had the, you had the opening title sequence with the, with the, um, what's it called? Uh, the fuse. Mm-hmm. They had the fuse and the famous theme. Then you know our main character would get the tape of what the mission is. Then we'd have the apartment scene where he gets his mission, uh, and it gives and finalizes his team. And then he meets with his team, and then the plan. Mm-hmm. And then it basically was that every single episode, it was like clockwork. Occasionally, they would do sort of different things, and as especially as there were more common characters within the show, mm-hmm. um, they might have had like one character. There was one episode where a character like you know got caught on, finally got caught on the mission, and mm-hmm. they had the you know, now the plan was to, the, to get that person out. Right. But right, generally right. speaking, it was very like plug it in. This is our format. What's the thing this week? Um, But he was very much adamant of it being international missions and kind of going, you know, building new sets for every episode, uh, which kind of kept the budget a little bit higher for his uh, CBS overseers, Mm -hmm. uh, as it were. Um, But generally speaking, he succeeded in what he wanted to do. He made this very simple show, and um, it almost ran um, away from him in that first season uh, because he had an actor in the lead role uh named um dan briggs mm-hmm. or sorry stephen hill is the actor who played dan briggs in mm-hmm. the show and the problem became is that the actor was very so a couple things about that actor uh that actor was very religious and very orthodox Jew, so we had to stop every day at four o'clock mm-hmm. for you know religious reasons and so it was very hard to make a television show around those parameters and then uh mr hill also started to object to all the stunts he had to do okay um because it was just basically there the one story is basically like kind of his real ending on the show was that he had like a show where he had to like climb things and Mm -hmm. had to like go look like climb a rope ladder and then the next episode he had to like hang off a cliff and he was like i've just did all this work i'm not going to do more Mm -hmm. so basically they wrote him out of the last episodes of that first season and there was not really a sense of where they could go next uh, because they're like, well, now we don't have this lead, and, and like obviously, he built the show to be expendable, where characters didn't have to die if they left. He was just like, oh, they just left the thing. Right. But to not, ha- they still, you still need a lead. You still need someone that the audience kind of knows the mm. consistency. Uh, but uh, discovered for next season was Peter Graves in the lead role as um, Jim Phelps. Uh, and Jim and uh, the Peter Graves would be the most iconic part of the character of that original Mission Impossible series. Um, but you did have a core team that eventually came together. Um, some really, uh, really fun characters that came through the show, mm-hmm. even if they didn't have any character development. Right. Um, they did uh, have, um, uh, you know, they did have things that, you know, quirks and little bits of themselves, too attach themselves to the character um and eventually through the show most notably martin landau uh played kind of an actor type character Mm -hmm. who was most notable for getting into roles where he would have to you know play this person to trick this person into giving them information and stuff like that uh and then also another major aspect of the show is uh well, the, the original female lead cinnamon carter uh the character <laughs> the character name is cinnamon carter who was like a model who again would kind of play right both sides mm-hmm. sort of thing so um but the series ran for six seasons originally in the 1960s uh, 1966 1972 i believe um but our uh creator was ousted uh in the last season um because he was getting too expensive so the last mm. season kind of dealt with more like organized crime and, and kind of dealing with gangsters type of thing. Okay. All right. Um, interesting. Uh But the, but the, all the general things you see in the mission, Imp- like the IMF is the right. name and you see the tape and the,
1: the, the impossible, the impossible mission force. Mission. Is that what it is? Yeah,
0: impossible. Um, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. The IMF. Um But also what's really interesting is that the IMF was very much portrayed as a small time operation, mm-hmm. just like a few agents, a few guys, in and out, nothing fancy. They meet in like Peter Graves' apartment to free you right. know instead of having and it,
1: But and isn't one of the things, like, you go on the mission and, like, these are missions that are off the books. Yes. And, like, if you get caught, that's, like, on you. <laughs> like So it, it's kind of, uh, like – Yeah, it's the, funny. The, fam-
0: the famous phrase, which, again, this is stuff that the movies take, but the famous phrase, should you or any of your IMF force be caught or killed, the secretary will disavow any knowledge of your actions. Right,
1: right, right. So it, it it is kind of funny that it, it is, like, these – these black op dark missions, but it, it's such like a whimsical, like kind of, maybe not whimsical, but definitely a light adventure tone to it. Yes. Like, because, you know, even and it's funny that you mentioned all this stuff about the show, where even though it is important to know some of those names that you mentioned, mm-hmm. but ultimately it is a show where everybody knows kind of like the tropes, but it's mostly the theme song yes. <laughs> that everybody remembers. Well, I mean, that's the,
0: the main legacy of the show is kind of, The honestly, like what people most know about it, and it was like a popular television show. Mm -hmm. um, Definitely, in again, in that height of that on television spy genre, Mm -hmm. you definitely had Mission Impossible as one of those top ones. And but people knew that it had the iconic theme, um, and not just the main theme, but what the other the other main theme of uh, the plot, as it was called, Mm -hmm. the plot theme. um, Were were both very very popular tunes in terms of and memorable. Uh, but and then like the self-destructing tape and like the format, like mm. this this distinct format of the show was more engraved in people than any of its yeah. specific characters or plots. Which was a lot of tele. I mean, to be fair, like a lot of television at that time, um, especially when you consider how television has evolved. Because now television is you know very different. But it's all, one. It's it's about like binge watching, of course, but also like rewatching. That people will rewatch stuff like Friends and and uh you know Seinfeld and stuff Mm -hmm. like that or Lost or Breaking Bad whatever it may be but like like stuff like Mission Impossible and those types of shows were very much made to be you watch it one week and then you kind of forget about it right because and that's why they could easily replay that format so much because um they uh you know, It wasn't like you were going to really remember what happened two seasons ago mm. on Mission Impossible. Mm. Um, you were just like, okay, well, we know the format. We know he gets the tape. We know he meets in the apartment. We know he does the mission. As long as it's kind of unique and kind of fun, right. that's kind of what the show was meant to be.
1: Right, right, right.
0: Uh, so the show um, does, uh, again, successful. Creators pushed out in the last season, and then basically Paramount and CBS uh put the kibosh on it as the spy is as, as where they go into the next you know era of television and mm-hmm. the spy genre kind of you know was the 60s and then you know other things pop up in in the more dramatic stuff in the 70s uh but and but paramount eventually owns cbs and owns the Rice right submission impossible and they were always looking at it as a potential thing they could bring back right um Especially with the Paramount's success in – or Paramount's perceived success in trying to relaunch the Star Trek franchise. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was like Star Trek and Mission Impossible were the two main franchises that they owned that they wanted to do something with. Mm -hmm. Interesting, yeah. Obviously, um, they do – eventually, they um, do Star Trek in 79 with Star Trek to Motion Picture and then into – um, Wrath of Khan, which was very successful. And in that 80s period, they are looking at possibly reviving Mission Impossible for a film series um, and as a television series. Mm-hmm. Um, both were under consideration, but the early 80s versions of those shows um, were not never picked up. Not the film version. They didn't really know what to do with it. And then the TV version, just kind of other projects came into it. But Mission Impossible did have a brief television revival in 1988 due to the 1988 writer's strike. Mm. So during this writer's strike, Paramount was also producing a show called Star Trek The Next Generation. And obviously for the writer's strike, you can't produce any new scripts with anybody in the guild. So for Star Trek The Next Generation, what Paramount did was that, oh, we have these old unused scripts from the original series mm. and the original pitch of Phase 2 that was never used. We can just ourselves plug in the characters, figure out what they would be like, and then just put it in the show. And those shows ended up being very successful for them or, or at least kind of did that well for The Next Generation so an executive at Paramount Television was like, well, uh, you know, we have that Mission Impossible thing we've been trying to do. Why don't we just shoot some old Mission Impossible scripts, update them a little bit for the 80s, and and put it on television? So they end up developing at least four episodes, even though it's a little brief miniseries uh, idea of a couple of Mission Impossible episodes. The initial plan is to do four of them, um, or at least four to six, as long as the writer's strike held. Basically just recast the characters, have the same names, just basically remake it. Mm-hmm. But for like the eighties. But at the last moment, that executive at Paramount was like, Well, actually, what if we shifted this, make these original so we don't have to be so beholden to what that script was that we can still edit it ourselves? Uh, so the only thing that remains consistent with those scripts and those first four scripts are remakes of episodes of the original *Mission Impossible* series. But the only holdover is Peter Graves does return as the Jim Phelps character. Mm-hmm. Um, and those first four shows happen and they're fine; they're perfectly good. Um, it features like the son of one of the original actors playing that actor's son in the show, kind mm-hmm. of like you know. And then the, that character has to save his dad, so it's all that sort of fun stuff. Eventually, the series does well enough and the series is cheap enough. Um, it didn't go gangbusters, but it was like, well, it's doing okay. We don't pay much for these, so keep mm-hmm. it going. Uh, so, they did two seasons of that revival, and that revival goes a little bit more into the fantastical uh, for the show. Oh, the really? Series. Yeah. Uh, there's one point where there's a machine that can record dreams and, <laughs> and stuff like that, whereas that the original show was very much down the earth. Right. We're doing this mission in and out. The revival kind of went a little bit more into the crazy Bond side, as it were, mm-hmm. of things. Um, but again, just two seasons, and once Paramount was kind of done with their little experiment, it was like, well, back to trying to develop a feature film. Um, so Paramount, again, now we're into the 90s. Things are kind of, Paramount's kind of debating, should we do something with Mission Impossible? It still has the theme, and still has the iconic nature of that, uh, you know, just the basic premise and maybe we can do something like an action nineties, but nobody really knows what to do with it. But one man knows (laughs) one man, uh, who grew up as a huge fan of the mission impossible television series. Mm -hmm. One man who was star was rising in Hollywood, Mm -hmm. uh, at that time, one, Mr. Tom Cruise. So it's Tom Cruise that finally spearheads Paramount to do a project with, The Mission Impossible name Mm -hmm. uh, because Tom is a very big fan of the original show um, and he was just starting his own production company Mm -hmm. um, after his major successes within the late 80s into early 90s Um, and he convinced Paramount to make their his the first project of Tom Cruise's production studio a new Mission Impossible movie. So,
1: so from day one, this was a Tom Cruise passion project, yes. essentially. I didn't yes. know that. Yeah, from oh, day Oh, that's fascinating. So from day one. And where was he at in his career at this point? Oh uh, like that's... I don't... S- so... Because now it's like Tom Cruise is like the type of guy where it's like, it's a def- It's definitely, like, whatever movie he wants to do yeah. gets made. Like, he's, like, one of those kind of guys. Well,
0: he, I mean, like, the thing was is that even at that point, mid-'90s, because the movie comes out in 1996,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Um, he is already, like, one of the major, like, young Hollywood stars. Right. I mean, if I'm just going through, like, the early IMDb stuff, I mean, like, you know, he does, like, you know, um, he's already done like Rain Man, Top Gun, Few Good Men. Right. Um, and then, you know and he's just the same year he does jerry mcguire which is like
1: he started off his career that way and he but he's the one where his passion project is like i want to do mission impossible yeah so it is just kind of funny like that film twitter it's like oh great actor why is he doing these action roles? there's a lot
0: to be said about tom cruise yeah and there's you know there was the real crazy period in the in the mid early 2000s and then where he lost his mind he lost his mind and then he rebuilt his himself with kind of good roles Mm -hmm. and 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 just being tom cruise i think the thing about tom cruise is one he's a fantastic actor i mean like when you look at stuff like i mean i think people forget because he's well even in these mission impossible movies he's great Mm -hmm. and he has so much fun doing them right but when you look at like those like when he's like in jerry Maguire, in um uh few good men yeah and eyes wide shut like those are all and magnolia those are all fantastic performances the other thing about tom cruise even because this is, like, right at the peak of his career. This is, like, about, again, he's about to do Jerry Maguire, which is probably, like, his, one of his best performances and an Oscar-nominated role for him. Uh, You know, he had done A Few Good Men, and he was basically kind of the next big thing mm-hmm. already. There's just... A, he's a cult of personality. Right. Like, the thing is, he's such a charming person, mm-hmm. and every person that talks about Tom just tells you, like, how insatiably likable he is in real life. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just how... He's so passionate, and he has, he's just so interesting of a person, and
1: and I, also no slouch when it comes to the filmmaking side yes. either. Yeah, like if you ever we I think we had mentioned Oblivion on this uh, mm-hmm. podcast in our previous deep dive. If you ever just listened to, I'm sure there's multiple commentaries been a part of, but the commentary with him and the director on that one, yeah, like guy, like he knows like what he he, he definitely has a very specific but non pretentious um like uh taste and like cuz yeah. it's a very specific type of blockbuster he does yeah. cuz it, it you can't look at his filmography and say like oh he's above doing like you know a big sci-fi action movie yeah. like but it's a very specific like he likes real guy doing ridiculous things but not in the sense of like the rock doing like the yeah. fast and the furious it's a very Specific niche version yeah. of like and these then, big like, blockbusters. He'll also he likes have to fun do. with
0: himself too, I think.
1: Oh, sure. That's what like, I mean. It's do, a non. He'll
0: do a Tropic Thunder every once in a yeah. while. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. But, but, and when he does, he wants to make like, cause again, like, like in story- Tropic Thunder, yeah. like the, the fat arms and everything and the, basically the look was mostly his idea. And the dance. Like, yeah.
0: It, the whole thing about the music was that he had to convince Ben Stiller, like, I want to do this. Yeah. Dance wasn't it that.
1: like he wanted fat arms and he wanted to dance? Those are yeah. like the two. Yeah. The, so it is funny. Like he, he is like he is a character, and one of my one of my other favorite stories with him is I think Emily Blunt had this on Edge of Tomorrow. Sorry, live die repeat, whatever. Yeah. Uh, where he was like, they're hanging up by the wires, and then like she's like, "Man, this is really tough." And Tom Cruise is like, "It's a challenge."
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's then, such a Tom Cruise line too. I, I
1: even use that line sometimes too. Like every time something's like kind of hard but bearable, I can be like, "It's a challenge." Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so. His, but seeing that that is always in the back of his head just makes him such a character to me. Yeah. Be. Uh, but and he's he, great.
0: But he's basically like, you know, he tells Paramount what he, what he wants to do. He talks with the filmmaker Cindy Pollock for a while on mm. doing a movie, but eventually hires, and Tom Cruise makes the decision himself. And by the way, this is a consistent theme throughout all the films is that Cruise. Chooses his directors yes. for these Mission Impossible movies. Mm-hmm. Which, again, when you hear some of these stories about how he chose these directors, very interesting stuff. Uh, but he chooses. He's like
1: the Stallone to the Rocky franchise yes. at this point. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, but he chooses Brian De Palma mm-hmm. uh, as the director of this movie. Uh, the script of the movie is also heavy hitters. It has David Coop, who uh, wrote Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. and uh, Robert Town does a rewrite on it. He's most famous for um, the Oscar nominated script oscar-winning script for chinatown Mm -hmm. Uh, so he does those and and robert town actually returns for the second one um uh, the script went through a lot of revisions mostly because of the controversy using uh the original character from mission impossible the television series jim phelps Mm -hmm. and not only using that character but making him the villain of the movie Mm -hmm. uh one of the early scripts of the movie Featured most of the original cast or most of the alive and known cast of the movies, including Peter grave and a couple other of those characters, but they all would have been taken out. And then they still wanted Peter Graves to play this villainous version of mm-hmm. Jim Phelps, uh, but the entire original crew just disregarded the script and did not like it. did Didn't felt like it felt like it was just an action movie and not Mission Impossible. So they all were just like, mm-hmm. we're out of here. So. Basically, it was Cruz and De Palma that re- and the screenwriters that really forged what they wanted to do. As Cruz finally inhibits the role of Ethan Hunt, mm-hmm. uh, and Cruz again from moment one—I mean, this is a consistent A
1: literal thing. self-insert character. Yes, <laughs> um, it is interesting. Like that's how that's how the story is conceived. Like we're gonna make it with it's like somewhat adjacent to the lore of yeah. the of the series, but we're just gonna put a Tom Cruise character in there.
0: Yeah, and it's just basically like oh. Because it is acting as like kind of its own thing, mm-hmm. and, and the Mission Impossible series eventually does really become much different than the original show. Right. Uh, the only connection that it has are the general theme and the tape message, as well as the use of Jim Phelps in that first movie. Right. Um, but Cruz again, is all in on the filmmaking process. He has a very distinctive vision of himself running away from this shattering aquarium, uh, that, that is in the first movie. Mm, right. Uh, that was Cruise's... One of his like sticking points that he wanted to actually increase the budget a little bit mm. to to make it work. Like, we gotta get this shot. We no matter, matter what and the And that cost. shot itself not only was a Tom Cruise idea, but it was really the beginnings of Tom Cruise doing his own stunts. Mm. Because, okay, yeah, all right. Because Palma... De Palma tried to do it with a stunt actor Mm -hmm. and just couldn't make it look good. Always looked like it was off because you really, you know, it seemed like the shot needed to seek Tom. Right. So De Palma asked Tom if he would be willing to do the shot himself. And Cruz was like, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Like he was all in on it. And that's, again, better consistency throughout from that moment. Um, Another famous thing is that they wanted to do the fight on top of the train mm. at the end of the movie, and Cruz had this very specific French train in mind, mm-hmm. and the story goes that they did not want to do it because they didn't want anything with the train, and then they used the excuse, well, the track's not available. When the track became available, well, the train's not available. Eventually, Tom took them all out to dinner, and the next day, they had the deal to to use the train. Mm-hmm. Um, basically that movie kind of, and that movie goes through a little bit of, you know, there was a little bit more of the love triangle that uh, exists in that movie. But then De Palma was like, this doesn't work for the film. Right. It has our asshole friend from, uh, clear and present danger as like the guy guy chasing Tom Cruise. Um, but the movie uh, eventually releases in 1996, uh, to somewhat mixed reviews. Mm -hmm. Um, basically kind of people enjoyed the action um but did feel that like it the the big departure from the source material kind of detracted from what the movie mm. could be um which is
1: interesting given that the source material itself was almost intentionally pre- conceived as it could be anything yeah, as yes, long exactly, as it exactly. is exactly. about a, completing right. a mission um
0: but uh it did well at the box office and basically paramounts like hey we have a new star trek type of franchise for us mm-hmm. like because the thing about Star Trek, and, and it's actually something I think I'll say for maybe future stuff that we, I might try to do, um, but the Star Trek franchise became, for Paramount at that time, very much like a consistent moneymaker. Maybe never in the biggest thing in the world for them, not the hugest like blockbuster, not Star Wars by any means, but enough that like they could make a Star Trek movie and make a good amount of money. Mm-hmm. And they felt like they finally had – because they struggled, much like MGM did with the Bond franchise – in in sort of finding another franchise outside of Bond to really, you know, anchor them. Paramount had a similar issue for a while where they had, like, different... They did have different things coming in and out, but really it was Star Trek was their thing, and anytime they tried to do something else, it really didn't push them. So they saw the success of Mission Impossible and saw the potential of definitely just doing more movies out of this, especially because they saw what you see is that it is a series where you can basically put any plot in there right as long Mm. as you kind of do the general thing and they have this bankable star in Tom Cruise who wants to make these movies very badly they they had something
1: there it it literally is a franchise that ultimately is like the actual what is going on doesn't matter uh Mm -hmm. as much and I would say they have found a clever way of making it matter in the in the in the later films yeah but to the point that the third film of this li- literally is what the plot is doesn't matter. Like yeah. that becomes an actual plot point yeah. in the, or at least like a fun little Easter egg and, in the thing.
0: And like I, I the, watching that first Mission Impossible movie when you go back after having seen all these is a very interesting, right? Interesting watch. It's very much a little bit more. I mean, it does have the big action sequences but it really is a little bit more on the thriller side.
1: Yeah, it, uh, it's not necessarily the change from the first Fast and Furious movie to what it is now, Right. but you can see a little bit more of a refining of this is more of what the focus is now because there is a little bit more of that um, character context and emotion and thriller aspect of the first one. that, And I would argue that the later films ultimately become more of a showcase of the mission yeah. and then cleverly keep all the character stuff in the margins.
0: Right, especially because like yeah, that first one is very character driven because it's so based on uh the you know of the eventual reveal that the Jim Phelps character, right, right. is a traitor. So there's like
1: the betrayal of the of the like, the mentor character and yeah. things like that. And yeah, then,
0: and then it's as is also a tradition with these movies is Tom Cruise on the run mm-hmm. because he's well. It's
1: very gold. It's Goldeneye almost yeah. that first one. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's it has it shares many plot points of yeah, like opening up like and, right yeah. off
0: the tales of Goldeneye. Mm-hmm. Um, the year after Goldeneye. Uh, is very, very interesting, yes, and very tonally-wise, very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, but through 1996, Paramount's all game to do a sequel, so they do Mission Impossible 2 mm-hmm. um, in 2000, and that one's directed by John Woo, mm-hmm. uh, who, again, uh, Cruz just wanted to work with more so than anything else, wanted a chance to work with John. Um,
1: the, the only one I haven't seen.
0: Yeah. Uh, John and Tom made a bunch of action sequences Before even the script was written, Mm -hmm. so when the screenwriter came in, Robert Towne, he was basically like, "Here's some action sequences. Make a plot around these." Mm. Um, The movie, this is uh, basically. There's not much to the production of two, other than they wanted to make a sequel. Tom was really interested in doing more Mission Impossible. Um, It's the worst of the movies. (laughs) I mean, that's
1: all. That's all I ever know. It's like that and way too many. Of the, the taking exact, off the mask that, reveal. Well, yeah. the thing
0: is, like, they do too many of the mask reveals and they all play it the same way where it's like, they play it as if it's the first time and the audience is like, oh, my God, <laughs> they got us. But the, by the fourth time you do the mask reveal. is and,
1: and to be clear, that's when because they have the technology that they can wear other people's faces and yes. they look oh, like pretty much identical, um, which in the first one, that is a big reveal. Yeah.
0: Um. Basically, the movie is paced very poorly. The mm. first hour and a half is kind of a slog, to be quite honest. And then the end of the movie is John Woo action. Yeah.
1: It's got doves. It's got you know slow motion. Though it does have an important uh, scene in it that does, I argue, pay off in this film. Is is the, isn't that the one that begins with the mountain climbing? Yes. Yeah. And and the and stu- throwing the the glasses a, towards the camera.
0: Yeah. yeah. So the studio was because Cruz wanted to do it like live, essentially. Mm. The studio was very against it. And then Cruz was like, well, I don't have any other better ideas to reintroduce Ethan Hunt. So mm. this is what we're doing. He did, there was no net, but he had like a harness. And right. He right. actually did do that. And I he, I believe he threw out his shoulder mm. um Well, like climbing up one of the rocks. Right. Uh the other very notable thing about this movie is that this is the movie that forced Dugaree Scott to um right, to yeah. Uh, to get uh, out of the Wolverine role. Uh, because oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he had to go back on reshoots because the the production of this movie was, was very lengthy. Yeah, um, So he had to drop out of Wolverine, and that allowed Hugh Jackman to take on yeah. the role.
1: So that's one good thing that Mission Impossible 2 did.
0: <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, so then that's followed up by a lengthy development mm-hmm. on a Mission Impossible 3. Um, so, Mission Impossible 2 did more than one, uh, you know, kind of that sequel bump. You know, people were excited to see it. There was still this kind of John Woo magic in the air in Hollywood. Uh, so, people wanted to see it. Uh, so, they decided next to do a Mission Impossible 3. Uh, but this is the movie where there was a lot of development struggles mm-hmm. um, because there was a lot of time taken to find a director and directors dropped out. So, the original idea was it was supposed to be. Uh, directed by David Fincher mm-hmm. in 2002. Um, and basically, Fincher left for creative reasons. Mm-hmm. And they felt like he felt like the studio was like, well, this is the third movie, so we know what we're doing with this. And mm-hmm. he did, they didn't want to make a Fincher movie, they wanted yeah. to make the Mission Possible.
1: He's like, I'll have better luck on Alien. Yeah. <laughs> <Ugh>. uh, <laughs>
0: I mean, that was a couple of years ago from this point. Yeah. Right? Yeah.
1: Yes. It's just, it's just kind of funny because maybe yeah. it's like, oh wait, no, I've been down this path before. before. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, so then, uh, so he basically drops out in 2004. He's replaced by uh, uh, Joe Conran. Mm-hmm. Um, who Then that movie gets very far in development where it was going to be, it was going to star Kenneth Braun as the villain mm. playing a sort of version of the Oklahoma city bomber mm-hmm. uh, and also feature Carrie Ann Moss and Scarlett Johansson oh. in, in the lead female roles. Sweet. Uh, but then um, uh, basically, uh, uh, Carahan wanted to make the film darker Mm-hmm. studio wanted to kind of keep it light but mm-hmm. more fun tom cruise was very much like well you know, these are fun movies right especially with two kind of ups that tone a little bit more mm-hmm. um than one did he wants to kind of increase that fun factor right right so he drops out and then cruise uh is trying to figure out a director and he's very into and binge watching the first two seasons of a show called alias right mm-hmm. uh and Cruz, during this binge watch, he binge watches it over like a week or two, and he's very impressed by this man named J. J. Abrams. So he calls up J.J. Abrams and is basically like, dude, I want you to direct the next Mission Impossible movie. I want to give you a chance. J.J. Abrams,
1: I, I... always coming in, rescuing a franchise. Well,
0: this is. Can you imagine Tom Cruise like sitting down and like really getting into Alias? Like, is this kind of like- very... I can because isn't
1: he like notably like he will, like he goes and like he watches movies yes. and like TV? Well, this, like... This, this, this,
0: this, 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 this will be the next one too yeah. where- like, that'll be the way he get, picks that next director, yeah. too. But he's very much in that. But it's just kind of – it's just so weird because, like, you, sometimes you think, like, people in Hollywood, and like, actors especially, like, do they just sit down and watch all these things? Which yeah. Do they have the time to? And Cruz, you know, being a busy guy and, and trying to make these movies, but just, like, binge-watching Alias is just – in Jennifer Garner is just, like – it's just an interesting right. Yeah, to yeah, me. Especially in that era when you really had to get the DVD set. Mm-hmm. So he has to, like, find the DVD set somewhere. Uh, but he decides to give JJ Abrams a chance, and so the movie's delayed until two thousand and six so that Abrams can do Alias Lost and this movie. Mm-hmm. Um and this is where I feel like Cruz even himself has said that he found what he wanted these movies to be. Mm-hmm. Is that mm-hmm. that the way that Abrams takes the tone of Mission Impossible three is very much like influential to what the rest of the franchise and again
1: is. i think it's very telling that it's the movie once again that makes it a specific plot point that what is the goal in the the plot of the mission or the point of the mission literally doesn't matter and yeah. so it's very telling that once that baggage is lifted off the cruise mm-hmm. is like this is what i want to focus on
0: yes uh but then it's also the features you know it kind of gets back into features the return uh, Ving Rhames to the series who was in the first one mm-hmm. so it's kind of starting to build the team this is an introduction to Simon Pegg as well because mm-hmm. the thing about those first two Mission Impossible movies as well into what kind of three does is that one and two are very much like Lone Wolf's and even kind of more Bondish, whereas like the second one has like he has a new girl partner that he right. goes with and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and he's like kind of even more so what the original version of that show was, where it's like well we can just plug in whatever team members we need to, mm-hmm. whereas uh, Ving Rhames specifically comes back for three, and then we get this introduction of the Benji character, who is originally a small role, um, uh, but becomes a bigger role within the next couple of movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well as we get introduced to Michelle Monahan in the series who becomes Ethan's wife mm-hmm. uh within it and then Philip Seymour Hoffman of course is yeah. the villain yeah <laughs> which is uh he's he's great he's missed um so basically Mission Impossible 3 comes out mm-hmm. um and it does doesn't do as well as the first two because it's been a while Abrams is a new director, you know, this is again, right off Cruz being crazy. So there's a little bit of questioning about Cruz's draw Mm -hmm. at the box office. Again, he's kind of, kind of rebuilding his career at this point. Um, But Tom is extremely happy. Uh, Abrams, you know, basically begins his career in this, in this manner, in his film career. Um, So you can thank Tom Cruise for J.J. Abrams directing The Force Awakens. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) You you can thank him for that. Um, And Paramount is very much like, even though it didn't teach as well, we're satisfied, let's go with another one. Uh, So Abrams originally wants the return for for, four, but he delays in production. Eventually, he does Super 8 instead Mm. uh, because that's a passionate project for himself, Um, which is always a movie I forget came out.
1: You know what? There's no other point I'm going to make this, but there's going to be a slight tangent in our director episode. I we didn't I didn't do honorable mentions but JJ J. Abrams was an honorable mention for a Godzilla movie mm-hmm. because I I think JJ J. Abrams is kind of eye, is it's a little that's a very eye-rolling choice because yeah, yeah. it he he's just the director that everybody says he like he yeah. should like oh he should come in and do Superman or he yeah. should come in and rescue this franchise and but like if I had to really hone in on his skills as a filmmaker, I do think that he would probably be the best fit for a Godzilla movie. Mm-hmm. Like to make a solid Godzilla movie. Because I actually like JJ Abrams as a filmmaker. Yeah. Um but um so anyway, so brief tangent, but that was the only time I was going no, to Fair uh, enough. Yeah. Um, and, and it is and it is kind of like uh Again, there's so much telling about that being the third movie and how that really set the the trend going mm-hmm. forward.
0: Yeah, so basically with and it, I and I enjoy that
1: movie. I think that's a it is a solid. Yeah, film.
0: I I basically like from three on. Yeah, enjoy all those movies and I I like one too. I I really think that two is really the outlier of the one that's not good. Yeah. Um, but four basically, Cruise's, uh Abrams going to stay on as a producer. Cruz and Abrams both agree that just keep upping the you know, the, the stunts and, and the bigness um, of, of the scope and everything like that mm-hmm. keep getting bigger. And Cruz is very much more game to try more insane things. Um, so they try to get a team, you know, another good director and, and Cruz is enjoying working with different people. Mm-hmm. And uh, the original Pearson they ask for um, this movie Uh, based on the recommendation of Simon Pegg Mm -hmm. is Edgar Wright. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Mm -hmm. Edgar Wright was considered and Edgar Wright was interested, but he was doing post-production on Scott Pilgrim Mm. during the development. So he had to kind of bail out. And Tom Cruise... Because he's
1: like, I got to finish this Scott Pilgrim movie. I'm trying to like... And then I'm really trying to do this superhero movie that, you know, who knows? Fingers crossed that'll get off the ground. (laughs) Ooh. Um... (laughs) Um, so,
0: yeah. uh, so then, same, similarly as Alias, Tom Cruise was just watching The Incredibles. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> just the even that sentence. Yeah, Tom Cruise was watching The Incredibles and thought that the action one was really cool yeah. and and liked the character work and and thought that Brad Bird was a good director. He then you know went into kind of what Ratatouille was and same thing. And, and
1: you know, there's a whole and that's an important movie. You know, especially given that Brad Bird's coming into it because you know. I you really at that point couldn't count at or point to a lot of movies that had essentially that was the cl- the Incredibles was the closest thing to like real world action mm-hmm. in a animated movie yeah. up to that point like you know with like actual like the closest thing to human stunts that you yeah. would get into a movie and then also being like a kind of a spy thriller in some yeah. and in it's some also
0: I mean honestly it's really neat to, that Cruz would consider like. An animation director. Who, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That's who,
1: very insight, like or forward thinking on yeah, his part. Yeah, like he's
0: like, uh, especially like an animation director who is never really, you know, Bird's like l- like whole career has been animation, right? Like even like what he studied in 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 school, like he was like one of those Cal Arts people, and but
1: you know, also probably not that unreasonable, given that a film like this is mostly about because. Cruz knows that, listen, we have our plot and everything, but this is mostly about the feeling and the set yes. pieces yeah. and the, it really is about the action. Like yeah. let's, it uh, is. and then, and and, I think and, that, and making I, it as fun think, as possible. And I, I think
0: like seeing that as bird and trusting bird to like, this is your first live action right. feature.
1: But like, what I'm saying is as an animation director, that's, that's an a, yeah. easier. It's thing easier to transition. To, yeah, absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But let's have that insight. I yeah, think mm-hmm. it's like, you, you're not wrong in that Cruz does have a, a film brain. And mm-hmm. I think he sees that sort of stuff. And Cruz, like, I think Cruz has also found that he likes working with Simon Pegg They mm-hmm. become good friends, and he likes working with that, so he brings Simon Pegg back onto the movie. And same, similarly with uh, the other ones, um, Bird is, like, talking to Abrams. He's like, well, do you have the script? He's like, yeah, we'll get it to you. I was like, do you have the script? He's like, listen, we don't really have a script. We have, <laughs> we have kind of an outline thing, but... We, we want you to kind of put your touch on this. Right. We want you to be very involved because all the other directors have been involved and you're no different. Um, and so Bird is very much into using IMAX cameras for this film, mm-hmm. um, which is a big deal the Dubai sequence is very, you know, what kind of put this movie on the map yeah, was yeah. marketed based off the that climbing sequence. up at the side of the building. And, and bird was like the combination of the IMAX cameras. And that stunt is like, you're never going to see a, a movie like that. Right. Like, it's just like, it's a, it's an exhilarating feeling. Yeah. Uh, this is, uh, you know, Leia Seydoux is in this movie as well. Yeah, she, yeah, she is. She gets uh, kicked out a window. <laughs> she does. Yes. She, she gets kicked out a window and into the arms of Bond. Yeah.
1: <laughs> awesome. Um, this, this is when I start really this, hopping onto the Mission Impossible Well, this train.
0: is, like, because I didn't mention it, too, but, like, even Mission Impossible 3 was, like, well-reviewed, but not, like, gangbusters. Right, like right It was yeah. very much – Ghost Protocol is eventually the name because Cruz is also, like, I'm tired of doing these numbers – it actually, Paramount was very close to just calling the movie Ghost Protocol, because they're like, well, the Dark Knight didn't have Mission Impossible... Dark Knight didn't have Batman in it. We don't need Mission Impossible in our title. Right. And then, because they're like, well, it, like the last one didn't do too well anyway, maybe we'll focus on that. But then Cruise was like, no, we, it's a Mission Impossible movie. Mm-hmm. I still love this series. And also,
1: series. was was there... Maybe this was all complete conjecture, but was there any truth to that they were going to try to push Renner into a more yes. like yeah. central role? So,
0: Jeremy Renner's also in Ghost Protocol, and the... Obviously, it's never been a hundred percent confirmed, but the essential idea was that if Cruz wanted to leave, that they could put Jeremy Renner's character right. into the.
1: the and this movie thing. also kind of plays with that idea that, like Ethan Hunt, could at least walk away from this team, yes. it, it, like whether it be more adventures with him or more adventures yeah. with them. It flirts with that idea.
0: Uh, so he, um, but basically, that's the whole crew together. Bird works on the script a lot uh, with Cruz, and eventually uh, Christopher McQuarrie does an uncredited rewrite, as he said, to basically kind of smooth the movie out and like make the mystery a little less, less confusing, or mm-hmm. like the, the plot a little bit more streamlined, so yeah. it kind of worked for the movie. Uh, but, but basically, Ghost Protocol is really where the Mission Impossible series is put on the pop culture map in right. many many ways in terms of it being the film franchise because people still know the theme people still know yeah like that. but in terms of it being like an actual major event kind of blockbuster movie this is where this is where it gets big because yeah. this was a i mean it was a, a huge success the best reviewed by far. Yeah, and it, um, it was and a lot out-
1: about the building scaling. Yeah. Like, the yeah. whole, like, Tom Cruise is going to do a crazy stunt in yeah. each of these movies. Yeah,
0: and it's like, said that, and it was a coming out party for Bird as a live action director, mm. and there was a, kind of that aspect of it, and this is where people kind of really paid attention, I think. Yeah. Um, and it was only going to get bigger from there. So, because then we get Rogue Nation next, and that's mm. Christopher McQuarrie, who Cruise worked with again on the rewrite for Ghost Protocol. Loved working with McQuarrie, so he invited McQuarrie to direct Jack Reacher, which was another Cruise passion project. Mm-hmm. Did he uh, direct Jack Reacher? He did. He, oh, wow. he wrote. He wrote and directed Jack Reacher, which I still like. That first Jack Reacher movie. Yeah. I still. The second one is weird, but the first one I still kind of dig in in its kind of way what is it
1: with him with him and mcquery is it just because mcquery like actually loves tom cruise and just writes these movies where tom where they recontextualize the tom cruise character as basically being a god
0: i I feel (laughs) like i feel like mcquery and cruise really build a lot of energy off of each other yeah it's just when when you see them make these movies like the the three movies that they've made together you can just tell there's they just know they're on the same page. Yeah, 100%. yeah, yeah, yeah. But Rogue Nation is very much like continuing that and even you know, Cruz is coming up with more stunts he wants to do. Mm-hmm. Um and again, it's just everything about the franchise now is is set almost. It's like we got the team now. Mm-hmm. We've got um, you know, now you've got like Renners involved again and, and being you know, again, Benji, you got Alec Baldwin now, Rebecca Ferguson comes in and You just basically have this this crazy movie and well directed film as well. Yeah, McQuarrie really kind of comes into his own. And also,
1: this is when they start developing a more strict continuity as well. Yes.
0: Yes. So the movies have had like kind of a since three. The movies have had a more um, because the original intention was Cruz for those first two was very much like each one is an individual adventure and he still feels that way. Um, but start, yeah, it is, definitely. They haven't lost it. Honestly, that. with with the Michelle Monahan character, yeah. that starts a distinct narrative throughout the films, mm. even if it's a little bit of the background work. Um, but you know, because Monaghan is mentioned um in and it appears at the very end of Ghost Protocol. And then there's also elements of uh Rogue Nation, obviously, that flow into what the movie we're talking about today, mm. Fallout. Um but Cruz again. What what's the production but more insane cruise stuff like mm. you have the the plane sequence at the end where he's like literally hanging out of a plane right right Like even more like and this is not like you know the living daylights where it's like kind of like in the air a little bit it's already in the air and they're doing that like he's like on liftoff like cruise is just hanging right, out of this airplane right. uh the underwater sequence um was also cruise really learning how to hold his breath for a very long time mm. in those sequences um the motorcycle chase all cruise just everything, and 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 there's so many fun sequences in that movie, like the opera sequence I love, yeah. the ending I love. Um, but there's, there's big
1: coming out party for Rebecca Ferguson, yes,
0: as well. Um, and just got I, I I like the I mean, A Rogue Nation also has a really fun kind of like the mystery I guess of it, or like how they how they figure out how they're gonna expose like, yeah. the plans and stuff like that. Um,
1: and also the movie that really established Ethan Hunt as Batman. Like mm-hmm. the the man who apparently can do yeah everything. This is where
0: this is where I mean yeah I mean like Ghost Protocol is really the start of it with with the with the the, the Dubai sequence. Not only because he's like
1: yeah, uh, but this is the one where it's like no, he no, is, is manifest destiny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's all. Uh, this, uh, that can't be a quote for this episode because yeah. it's not. I almost like just want like he is the definition of manifest destiny. Yeah 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 yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, and again. Super well reviewed, super popular, yes. huge success. And normally speaking, now you know, Cruz had been working with different directors, but he is such a fan of working with McQuarrie, and they have an idea for basically continuing straight off of mm-hmm. that storyline that was in Rogue Nation, with with the Solomon Lane villainous character kind of right. returning, uh, and Rebecca Ferguson's character returning as well, making her a core part of the team, and that is is leading to where we are with Mission Impossible Fallout and uh, you know, I think a lot more of the stunt and discussions of production and stuff, I feel like for this specific movie kind of fits into talking about the film itself mm-hmm. um, because I think just you' we're not gonna be able to talk about what the stunts are without talking about the movie itself and kind of how insane it is. Mm-hmm. But there's basically like when you look at the Mission Impossible series, it really is, in many ways, kind of interesting because it has those origins as kind of a, a television show of its era, a spy movie or a spy television series where you can just plug in people, if people come and go as they please. Transitioned into a passion project of a hot in more ways than one Hollywood actor. Um, <laughs> it it and 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 even within the film franchise itself, it really it kind of. Actually, what's funny is that I kind of feel like when you compare it to, like, those early Bond films, and mm-hmm. obviously it's very different era as well, but you can kind of see how those, like, you know, same thing, where, like, those early Bond movies, those early Mission Impossible movies are slightly lower key. There's still insanity to be had in them, mm-hmm. but they're slightly on a little bit more grounded level, and then as those franchises get bigger and bigger... Mm-hmm the insanity just ramps up.
1: And it's also like a who's who of directors and filmmakers, but it is interesting.
0: And it's I mean it's a it's a it's a thing. It's also a franchise to be quite honest. I mean, like, you know, De Palma and Woo were were very established at that time. But Mm -hmm. when you look at, you know, Abrams, uh, Bird and Mm McQuery, like to to really boost their careers in that way. It really was a platform for them to kind of get other opportunities um especially like abrams who was very much a television person at that time mm-hmm. um and i mean a- but you mentioned it earlier when you were talking about your how you honor mentions but Abr- abrams from there transitioned into being like a the hottest one of the hottest like one of the go-to names and directors yeah yeah and having this company bad robot that does a whole bunch of stuff mm-hmm. um and then you know obviously bird you know, he had his animation stuff and I think he was a big name within that animation world. But mm. like, you know, and obviously like his films since then, you know, we have our opinions on it, but it, it can't be denied that he's not going to get an opportunity like Tomorrowland or he's like doing like a kind of a live action musical now that he's doing. Oh, sure. Sure. Like, and,
1: I mean, he's a great director again, despite, you know, and I have varying opinions on his films yeah. as well, but I think he is one of those like still really good modern even filmmakers. You hear
0: about Like McQuarrie, like you know, who was uh, definitely a, a writer uh, you know, but it, it kind of was a similar thing. It was McQuarrie was a writer mm-hmm. uh, and a good writer at that, um, you know, doing stuff like you know, U- usual suspects and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Cruz giving him an opportunity, like liked working with him, like his creativity and giving him an opportunity to translate into directing. Mm-hmm. Same thing. It's just like, and now McQuarrie has also has other projects in the works and, you know, could be, you know, doing more, more stuff. And, but he likes working with Cruz and, and he's, you know, McQuarrie is going to be making more of these Mission Impossible movies now. So, yeah.
1: And he was, I think he was in the room for like a Superman like yeah. pitch or something like that. Yeah. So you, you know, yeah, kind like, of you know, gets those I, names. A, a out superhero
0: there. movie, I think, is not far off from his future. Yeah. And I also think because like McQuarrie was actually like, he even said that he like he knew that you know every Mission Impossible movie had a different director, so he wasn't sure if he was going to return. But Cruz was very adamant. Like, I like what we've done. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's more opportunity to explore this and, yeah. and do stuff and. And I think that also McQuarrie has a real knack for directing those action sequences, which I think we'll talk about.
1: Yeah, well, uh, why don't we get into it right now as we talk about Mission Impossible: Fallout from
0: 2018.
2: Fate whispers to the warrior, a storm is coming. And the warrior whispers back,
1: I am the storm. Alright, and we're back. Yes. Um, so yeah, so this was so kind of piggybacking off of what I'd said previously, it really was uh Ghost Protocol that I really got in mm-hmm. into this series, which is actually probably not the worst uh hopping on point i no, think. it
0: actually really isn't yeah i mean like honestly like
1: especially if you want to know what this franchise is now yes yeah yes. i mean you can go back and watch all of them just mm-hmm. to get a full uh yeah. spectrum of the franchise but if like when the next mission impossible comes out and you want to just kind of get up to date at what the franchise is now you could probably just start at ghost protocol yeah and, and then come here so even ghost
0: protocol does enough of reestablishing real establishing like a th- thing with his wife where it's like, you know, it does enough in the background where you can kind of get that once it comes back up in, right. in Fallout 2.
1: But the thing about the Mission Impossible franchise that it does fall in line with that certain blockbuster where you do just kind of uh, want to come in to see a a certain thing. Yes. And it's like, it's the best version of, I know this is going to sound kind of backhanded, but I mean this in the best possible way. There's a comfort food like nature about it yeah. in terms of like, like, man, like you almost know you're going to get your money's worth with it at this point, yes. I think. Especially for what you want. So, like, with like with a John Wick movie, you want to just see... I want to see John Wick kill a bunch of bad guys in a bunch of different creative ways. Yeah. In the Fast and Furious franchise, like you want to see, like, you know, The Rock punch a missile, like or a moment like that. You yes. know you're going to get your money's worth because they're going to, mm-hmm. like, come here. And then in this one, it is the Tom Cruise does something crazy. And, you know, without, like... And, and, and especially in a way that I don't think like looks down at the audience or treats no. the audience dumb, is just in the most fun possible way that is an aspect that has kind of injected a little bit but has not quite followed Tom Cruise into other movies because like the Jack Reacher movies aren't really like that. It, it's kind of like, because I feel like some people almost... You know, unfairly expect that of just all Tom Cruise movies now. Like The Mummy, really wasn't like that. But you can also see those movies were kind of marketed as like
0: right because you kind of had like that, and it's also like because Cruise has also been very much like a person who again is on the forefront of making things like the Mission Impossible movies and Live Die Repeat happen too. And Live Die Repeat maybe not in that same stunt ways, but it's kind of like how crazy Tom Cruise stuff happening. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, But but it it follows in but in a way like how I've talked about like the Godzilla movies are a lot about like the craft of film of, of how they make the films. These mission impossible movies have all been about like the craft of doing all these crazy stunts and like Mm -hmm. how to tonally justify all that into making it as exciting of a movie as it can. So you almost go in to watch, see those moments. And in my estimation, you're never disappointed. And I think, that continues on to Fallout, which is in... I don't know exactly where it lies, but it's definitely in the top two or three for me on on this franchise. Oh, I mean, the, the movie... This movie rocks. Yeah,
0: it's <laughs> my, This movie's awesome. It's by far my favorite of the f- Mission Impossible films, and it was one of my favorite movies of 2018. Yeah. I think what one of the strengths of Mission Impossible, especially in comparison to what I've seen of stuff like Fast and the Furious, is... I think the strength of Mission Impossible is... Especially since three and really into Ghost Protocol is the that definitely the action is off the charts. The stunt work is incredible, mm-hmm. and there's a spectacle every time. But I also think that especially with the two mcQuary films, and I think it get Birds um, Ghost Protocol does a little bit of this as well. Is it again? It does just, just enough of the fun team and character dynamics, and 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 just. The enjoyment of seeing these characters bounce off each other, mm-hmm. that it really kind of expands on you caring about the movie a little bit more. Yes. Cause yeah. Especially, like, because, I mean, not to directly compare, but, like, to see something like Hobbs and Shaw, which is kind of in a similar realm of just, like, you're seeing a crazy action. But there's kind of not as much of that, like, you're not as pulled into the worlds of Jason Statham and The Rock in those movies. You're kind True, of like, true. They do... They do have, like, you know, things like, oh, like, A Rock has his daughter, and now Jason Statham has a sister, and, mm, and, mm-hmm. and you know, Vanessa Kirby, who's also in this movie. Yeah. Very excited to talk about that. Um, but I feel like there's, like, more where it's, like, like, again, Cruz is still a really good actor, despite the fact that he's really transitioned to kind of these action movie movies, which, again, like, it seems like what he wants to do, and I'm very happy for that. He still is so instantly likable, like... And I know not everybody likes him, but there's just this charm to him that, like, you can get pulled in. And, like, he, you can tell he likes working with Simon Pegg. He likes working with Ring Rings. He likes working mm. with Rebecca Ferguson. And you can feel that chemistry and the little bits of emotion that they have for those characters. And even the, the bits that um, Ethan cares for his team, mm-hmm. within the McQuarrie films especially... Um, well, I think, like, pulls you into the world of Mission Impossible a little bit more and just hmm. makes everything a little bit more effective and a little bit more memorable to me. At least that's kind of how I view yeah, these I, movies. Yeah, I
1: think for me, and I don't think you're, you're 100% wrong. The one caveat I would say to the difference that you were saying about, like, something like the Fast and Furious movies versus, like, this. I mean, I think at this point what works for me about the Fast and Furious movies is because – while a lot of the character stuff is, like, thrown in there and is kind of, like, feel-good, like, popcorn stuff, like, I think those movies have basically have told us that we're going to be as absurd as possible. Like, absurd with a capital A, that's what you're ultimately getting, and for us to be as dumb and stupid with, like, the buddy dialogue and everything, where it's, like, so... That movie, I don't think... Those movies, I don't think, expect you to be invited in on, like you know getting invested in the in the characters as much uh whereas the core thing about the Mission Impossible movies that continues on into this one but in a unique way is that once again kind of mentioning it before that they've kind of realized that the whole like what's going on in the movie like they've moved away from that focus on the character and the thriller aspect of it and one of the things that they have done and I think is the thing that is done the best here out of all of the Mission Impossible movies is that they keep pretty much all the character-centric stuff that would fill up most of the scenes, but they keep them into the margins uh, for the most part. And ultimately, the mission itself is the A-plot is what takes up most of the screen time. And what they do really deceptively in this movie is that everything goes on and then all anything that is character based or that would develop the character or any sense of an arc would almost come into the plot as not as an afterthought but would deceptively like find its way into yeah, the plot at the right. at the best possible moment mm-hmm. and then and then those are the things it, it's kind of very similar to how we said in the clear and present danger when you have these little character moments yeah. that it makes you feel it gives a more lived in feel to the situation
3: mm-hmm.
1: like this movie doesn't really make like a whole scene because the thing about the first one where there would be whole scenes about like Ethan Hunt's like, I don't know who to trust. <laughs> like, it yeah. would just be all about, like, in his plight as, like, an, right. a, Right like,
0: like, cause like, in that first one, he meets Max, the, right. the, the, the arms dealer. Mm-hmm. And like, there's that whole little thing. and the it, There's had... a lot of like, getting and into like, Tom the, Cruise's the more... head and, and like, POV. Cause you compare the, like, cause there's that kind of, within, outside the movie, you know, they, they cut out, a lot of that love triangle in the first movie, but there's still that kind of subtle little like, Oh, Tom Cruise is with this character. That's also with Jim Phelps. And like, there's that little subtle thing, mm-hmm. but that they, they put more weight on that. Mm-hmm. Whereas like the, the, the budgeting, um, Rebecca Ferguson, Tom Cruise, like friendship slash, like, right. could Like it could go either way where it's like, if they continue that it could go friendship wise, could go a little bit more, but they like, they put that in there and Cruz just caring enough for Rebecca Ferguson's character, mm-hmm. especially coming off of, Rogue Nation where, you know, he's like, you got to get out of here. And, like, you haven't been cleared yet. Like, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Why you should be out? And just, like, the, like a little bit of care and like, the putting towards Benji and stuff like that. It's like, it. We you're right. It weaves itself into, like, the action and the plot enough where, again, it does enough. It does enough to it, show it, you those emotional moments without overstaying its welcome. Yeah.
1: It's super efficient and, quite frankly, shows uh, his... Skills as McCurdy's skills as a uh, as a writer too, mm-hmm. because this is something that could go wrong easily. Him easily yeah. because, and and I would say this like, do I do I am I that emotionally invested in all the characters? For me, I I don't know. Yeah. But what I will say is that all the like the moments of character come in. N- kind of sparingly but in the best most efficient place that it could possibly be so it's almost like all right we have like 10 character moments in the film that we have to touch upon at certain parts of the movie so for instance in this movie at one point tom cruise goes under the guise of like a underground like like as a bad guy essentially
0: like like basically like a kind of underground kingpin who's trying to because the whole thing is like he at the beginning of the movie, there's these, like, kind of, like, plutonium balls mm-hmm. that, like, could you know, make these nukes. Yeah. and There's the
1: cold, open kind of mission. Like, you can see, like, they're about <laughs> yeah. to do, like, a, like a handoff or, right. of these. Like, yeah. cause
0: basically, like, he gets his mission at the beginning of the movie, and he's like, oh, well, you have to get these plutonium balls because this one guy is going to make these bombs out of them mm-hmm. and, and basically could wipe out whole, like, cities and areas. Mm-hmm. So they try to do the thing, but then they're, like, kind of double-crossed. Mm-hmm. Um, by like you know these these terrorists that are that are kind of followers of Solomon Lane, the villain from right. the previous movie, who Tom Cruise defeated, and they lose the plutonium because Tom Cruise chooses to save Ving uh, Rhames mm-hmm. instead of you know protect it. Right. You know, and it's like you're, you because know, that's like
1: the thing that makes him like the great guys that he never leaves a man behind yeah. and, and, and things like even, that.
0: Even, like, isn't that
1: isn't that the thing? <laughs> <laughs> um, Should you choose? to accept <laughs> he but at one point he has to they're first gonna get like this um kind of like this black ops like secret agent guy right yeah. like that yeah, they, they, they can they're... get anything done he's right. like a you can send him in and he'll get anything done yeah. doesn't care about human life is like a terrorist go-to guy nobody knows what he looks like
0: right and it's like he's gonna be the one who's like get it he's like supposed to be meeting uh, Vanessa Kirby's character who's like,
1: like the head of a black market essentially who's
0: actually it's supposed to be the daughter of Max the arms dealer from the first movie oh oh that's interesting because yeah. you can see in the background when they're at like the charity event that's like, mm-hmm. for guys for this he's like my my mother Max right who was oh that's fun. that's fun that's um, fun but anyway so yes was well, basically like he, they're supposed to like he, they're supposed to make a mask of this guy right they're supposed to make a mask of this guy so that Tom Cruise can go in and you know, get the you know, find out what he needs to do to get these plutonium balls. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like at least one of them. Uh, you know, it kind of that that started that mission, but then they basically shoot his face off. Yeah, in in an awesome bathroom fight. Like, I, there's so many awesome moments in this. Well, scene.
1: no, no, no. They 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 break the 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 machine that makes the mass. Oh, that's right. That's, that's what right. happens. Yes, like, because yeah. he smashes, because Henry Cavill smashes him with it, and it destroys the machine, so they can't make a right. Like, a duplicate but he's like they face. kill him essentially. Yeah, yeah,
0: like, yeah. that's because they kill. Think of a different way. They 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 kill him yeah, and then they're like going to make the mask, but it's like, we can't do it. And the face is messed up anyway. And mm. so it's just like, okay. And then Tom Cruise is like, well, if she doesn't know what it looks like. Right. Like, right. Well, guess-
1: he, well, he takes a chance. He also yeah. doesn't know like, uh, that yeah. that's the case. Like Nobody knows but, what this guy looks but like. But before, before going too deep into that, the point I was making was that they get you so invested in Tom Cruise is undercover and like, he is supposed to be, pretend to be like this terrorist guy who doesn't care about human life. Yeah. And, they're about to go on like a plan. The worst of the worst. Yeah, yeah, and they're about to go on a plan that's gonna kill a lot of innocent like uh like yeah. like guards and stuff, and Tom Cruise doesn't want to do that. But basically what I'm trying to say is that they go through this whole like action set piece and they get you so invested in what's going on with the action plot wise and the getting from A to B and getting the MacGuffin and all that type of stuff. And they're r- about to get away. And then right at the moment, they have the interaction with like a random police officer catches them and there can't be any witnesses right, to what cause, they're cause doing. The whole
0: thing is like they because Cruz, again, it, like the whole plan is like they're they need to get they need to basically save solomon lane like, yeah that's the whole thing is that to to get this plutonium they have to help solomon lane escape mm-hmm. and Cruz is like they're like they go through the plan is basically like yeah we're gonna block these guys off and just shoot everybody and that's mm-hmm. gonna be fine and Cruz is like well i can't do that like yeah. that's not that's all right it, it's, so, it's, so there's a whole like elaborate thing where like he you know he he actually crashes the thing like a truck off right, the thing. Right. so that's it you know but anyway, so they basically have like gone through all this complicated stuff mm-hmm. and they're like they they get to the getaway car, they open up the garage and there's a police officer giving a ticket to a completely different car. Right. And and the,
1: and the, well the reason I bring this point up is because this is one of those moments where okay, we only have b- but so many times we're going to like hone into character mm-hmm. on this. And this is the point where I would say is the is where this film gets elevated to it always like goes between that 1 to 2 spot for me and yeah. like the Mission Impossible movies because they get you so ramped up into like the action of the film and then very all of a sudden they hit you with a character yep. moment that like speaks volumes and then because all of a sudden out of nowhere McCory's gotten you so invested in the running and the action and oh man and they're about to complete the mission and and then just hits you, slaps you in the face, kicks you in the balls with this moral quandary as is is tom cruise gonna shoot this guy which by the way one rule about i'm never calling him ethan hunt i'm just calling him tom cruise yeah. and i think that the the twist in one of these movies is he's going to reveal that ethan hunt was an alias and he's actually actor tom cruise yeah he's going to take off his ethan hunt face and it's just going to be tom cruise that under it mm-hmm. but it was that moment that all of a sudden, deceptively, the movie just hooked me in on an emotional level yeah. that wasn't just like the like sitting and, on the edge of my seat. And if I remember
0: correctly, that was a scene that Cruz fought for. Mm-hmm. That, that was like a cruise like, we need this movie. Yeah. We need the scene in the movie. Because that's like one that could easily be cut out, but it's like we need this moment. Well, and
1: it and that's the thing, like, and it the movie doesn't belabor that point. point no. Yeah. And then me and then another example of it is as the movie goes along and then they're in the third act of the film and the bomb is going to like take place, is going to go off in a certain place. And then it's like, Oh, Michelle Monaghan's character I, is there. L-
0: can I say, I love yeah this moment. I love, because yeah, so they, they did announce like during the production that Michelle Monaghan was going to come back as, you know, cause she had, she had been a big role in mission impossible three when she marries the Ethan Hunt character and then she uh has a brief appearance at the end of Mission Impossible for Ghost Protocol, mm-hmm. not really mentioned at all in Rogue Nation. So when they mention her coming back, and then all, all the trailers kind of had her in this kind of like dreamscape type of thing, mm-hmm. like which is like also the opening of the movie, because on like keeps dreaming that like you know a bombs going off and he has like to, you know protect her and right. stuff like that because they've eventually like separated, and I was very worried that that was going to be her role in the movie. Mm-hmm. And you kind of like, they, they show her enough. Oh, you, and you completely can, you forget. forget that she's going to be in like, the movie. it's like immediately like, like, cause the whole thing, is so perfectly again, directed, her perfectly shot where you just like, they're like in this base camp because the whole plan, they figure out with the bombs is like, oh, he's going to basically irradiate this like river mm-hmm. that goes to all these other rivers and basically going to like decimate like a whole wider area of people. Right. And, He's using this, like, you know, he's going to use this, uh, uh, medical camp as like a cover because there's so much radiation there. So they're basically like, they're getting there. They're, they're that the plan's like, okay, we got to find the bomb. We got to disarm it. We know how to disarm it. We only have like this much time to do it. And all of a sudden you just hear Ethan and you just like camera. Dis- yeah. And it's just like, you immediately like, oh my God. And yeah. it's just like that moment in the theater, like you just heard gas. Like, yeah. and it was just like, it's so perfectly played. And, and again, you just you're just hooked. You you're immediately like you're kinda caring about this more than you probably should, but it's like you're you're oh, in there. It, it,
1: it, it. That's why I'm so impressed by the directing and the writing in this, because again, it is almost a cheat because it's almost like these very select moments in which the movie is reminding you like, by the way, these are real human people yeah. with real human like connections and yeah. stuff. And it's kept to the margins and only sneaks in to really create drama and to let you feel for it. Yeah. And, it, and I don't exactly know how to put my finger on it or describe it, but he just does it in such a way where it doesn't feel cheap. Like no. you're you're invested it feels, in it. It feels it, earned. It feels it, earned, and it feels like it honestly elevates the – the it increases the stakes yeah. almost but a even, little bit. But
0: even like – like I mean, I love that moment, and I even love like during that Paris chase, the, bike, the, the motorcycle chase in Paris, which is incredible. Yeah. Like incredible. Like even the moments where like – like, and then they, they they do have a bigger scene later, but basically when, like, you know, Rebecca Ferguson and Tom Cruise are, like, facing off. And just, yeah. like, the expressions and how they shoot that scene, it's like you know that there's, like, they do care about each other, but they're just, there's just there's so, so much going on. Right, that right. They have to do that. I love, love, love McQuarrie's directing in this movie <laughs> mm-hmm. because very much for the reasons that you said that he is able to really grab you with those emotional beats – grab you with those emotional moments and that action is so visceral so impressive especially because it's so insane right like when you're shooting stuff like the paris chase when you're shooting stuff like the halo jump when you're shooting stuff like the helicopter shit at the end of the movie Mm -hmm. you you, just the way that those are presented it's just like it just so grabs you with those as well Mm -hmm. it's like i don't know how to say it it's just like It's so visceral. It's Mm -hmm. so immediately like you're injected into my veins type of directing. And to to really emphasize that within you know with an actor who's really going into these shots and it's like him in the helicopter and him halo jumping and really taking advantage of that. I genuinely think that this was one of the best directed movies of 2018 because Mm -hmm. I just think that there's so much going on. With the action and then still kind of bringing it to an emotional level. Mm-hmm. It's just so mind blowing that, like, you know, McQuarrie can just do this, especially with his, with, you know, in tandem with his writing, in tandem with the actors that he has, bringing the best out of them within those sequences. And, and just, and just, I love, love, love this movie. And mm-hmm. I, I love the direction of this movie.
1: Yeah. All right, well, that's it for the um, Bonzilla podcast. No, but like but I think there's <laughs> No, all... I mean, I I think that um one of the it's a very it's just it's just a super interesting movie because it really is propulsive fun. Mm-hmm. You're on the edge of your seat all the time. I, and I think one of the key, one of the keys of what makes it such a well-directed movie is that there's like even a lot of moments in the movie that I think like you see you do see coming like a mile away in yeah. my but you're just so you it still gives you that little pop when it happens so well, like yeah. it, when they're in the interrogation cell and it's like the whole they're tricking superman into like revealing <laughs> like sorry mustache superman in, into uh, revealing second his second audition for Bond yeah. <laughs> Casino Royale Henry Cavill um but um So, like, the whole scene when, you know, they trick him into revealing his plan and it's actually Benji dressed up as Solomon Lane... Like, uh, that, yeah. that whole yes. bit. Yes. So that whole scene, like, the scene is going on, and you 100% know that it's going to end with him taking off of the face. And he's like, wait a minute, you're not, you just know yeah. that's what's going to happen. But when it happens, like, even I caught myself being like, ha, he got you! Yeah. Like, but you know, and again, it's like that one where this, this franchise, because... Again, it it does it gets you back in its good graces with and and also I don't think this would work without Tom Cruise personally,
3: mm-hmm.
1: but they get you back in the good graces by ha- by really. Really nailing those set pieces, like the like the chase. Is it in Paris? Yes. Like, like the Paris chase, uh, and the the third act. Honestly, the the only one I'm not quite as enamored with is the is the free fall jump. Like I think uh, I think it's fair. I, I think uh, for I, the I, thing that was like touted as that was like the huge stunt in the movie. It was actually the one I was. I don't want to say I was least impressed by, but it was definitely the one I was least connected to. I
0: feel like it's just because, like, yes, it is the more intense version. For me, it was, like, a more intense version of things we've seen in Bond movies, but I've also seen that stuff in Bond movies. Yeah, like,
1: and it's also, like, I mean... And I think it's,
0: like, yes, it is impressive that it's cruised, and it is impressive that you're doing it in, like, few, few takes and, like, really kind of using the fact that it's Cruise to your advantage by yeah. taking the show, on. but, like... Yeah, the Paris, I the Paris chase is so exhilarating. Yes. It's so well put together. So this movie is incredibly well edited too. And, and
1: isn't there that one where it finally cuz there's a lot of cutting in the movie but then there's that one good like couple minutes of just the running like they oh, do yeah. have like the yeah. one shot oh, of the running oh, I and forgot it's about awesome that sequence yeah. when
0: when when basically like cavill's gonna get away with with lane and stuff yes and he's like, it's at that part he's, of the he's, movie he's yeah. running through the buildings yeah and like there's just people being like what the hell this guy's doing here yeah even though they use the same joke of like benji you know having the ipad the wrong way twice yeah like i do think like it's like i'm jumping through a window what wait wait, (laughs) why are you jumping through a window um like
1: left are you sure right right or
0: when he's running through the church but i i go back to like when he's when they're in like the Paris chase and he's like just just going through traffic Mm -hmm. and like the slide like underneath yeah no it's so so good it's so so
1: good they do get you on board with that with with though with with moments like that the new stuff and the new set pieces are are 100% earned and are excellent that they're allowed those other key moments that even if you see them coming a mile away it's like well of course you want somebody being tricked by like the face going yeah. into and then and even in this movie they kind of do it which i kind of saw coming and kind of didn't i knew something was up but i they did keep me on my toes is with the whole wolf blitzer <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> scene which started a conversation between you and me is like, is there like a thing? Yeah, like how do they get like, yeah, we've talked
0: about this on the podcast. Oh no,
1: no, no. We said that in all of these movies, they always get like an Anderson Cooper to it's come always, in. It's always
0: CNN. So it's always Anderson Cooper or Wolf Blitzer. And then
1: in this movie, they're like, Wolf Blitzer is like, all right, I'm going to come in and do this, but I want in on the action. At
0: least, <laughs> at least like the, at least like the Marvel Netflix shows and like the Spider-Man movies use that one New York local anchor all the time. Right, right. Um, but like, but yeah, but it's like Wolf Blitzer and Anderson Cooper and like, listen, w- what's better? Wolf Blitzer getting to take off, you know, you know, one of those masks, one of those masks yeah. in this movie or Anderson Cooper saying that it's a good thing <laughs> that it's oh. after the work day because there's nobody downtown and <laughs> nobody Gotham. in the city.
1: Um, But, uh, but like,
0: no, but it's like, cause yeah, that, that opening sequence is basically like they fail and then it, it's presented as if like, yeah, these bombs went off and And now, like, the world's changed, and they basically tricked the guy. Also,
1: did you love how there was a character moment that they teased that this was going to be the character, like, follow-through in the movie? But they put it in this scene in the movie, and it doesn't really go anywhere, but in this way. So in the trailer, there was this whole, like... Like he's he's like Ving Rangs is holding him back and then he's just like Ethan, this isn't the way we do things. He's like, Well, maybe we need to change how we do things. So they're kind of and it kind of fits into the plot of like has like every like Ethan Hunt's always going on the rogue and like yeah. eh, like every time, like how many times can you push a man? But it actually this movie just goes to show that no, Ethan is always on the up and up the yeah. entire time. And in this movie, that scene Is they do that whole bit where he's like, give us the names. And he's like, Ethan, this isn't how we do things. And then they show that that whole bit was like a ruse. Yeah. (laughs)
0: To like, to get them to like, like, unlock the computer so they could get the real information. Right. Yeah. They Mm -hmm.
1: literally fake the, like, they get the Wolf Blitzer, like, well, it's Benji in like the, in the mask as Wolf Blitzer uh, to basically read off the manifesto of this terrorist. And it tricks the terrorists into thinking that, oh, they got the guy to like, basically preach their choir to the rest of the world yeah. on 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 the news and then like give them the names and then if was like, ha no, we actually tricked you. Like that Wolf Blitzer yeah. is not the real Wolf Blitzer. Yeah, artist. we actually
0: just ran to you in a car like right. a minute ago. But it, it
1: is funny that all that character stuff is not because the movie doesn't really become about like is Ethan Hunt? Has he gone too far? It, yeah. it actually shows that every, at every turn, no, he's not gonna go. He's not gonna cross the line. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's just but that's like the the fun of it. That's the fun of Ethan. Oh, absolutely.
1: Hunt. And and that's like the thing, and it does, and I think it's why it stands out, is why he's such a good writer director on this movie, is because it's pretty it's pretty streamlined, and there's there's not a lot of there's not a lot of the exploration of character in terms of like making him like ambiguous or extraordinarily flawed they they kind of keep him in any other case scenario this could be an extremely boring character yeah and I think that in some way there may be people who do but I they he just writes it in, in such a way that keeps you on board yeah, I, I with everything going it on has
0: a real combination uh, especially within rogue nation which I also really love Rogue Nation and Fallout, especially with the McQuery Cruise team. Yeah. I think they really play off each other's strengths yeah. so well. You know what you
1: know what the key is? They it's how they write the Ethan Hunt character. Mm-hmm. That they don't make him like bond in terms of like they don't make him smug. They don't really give him any sort of like I'm the smartest guy in the room attitude yeah. or self awareness to them. Yeah. Um that character, the Ethan Hunt character exudes a little bit like he is nothing without his team even though he can do a lot by himself mm-hmm. but he ultimately needs his team and then you're right there's those little moments where he does care about his team as well yeah. so they it, it it's a tight rope that they're walking on in this movie with Absolutely. that character that I think that they and I think they really nail
0: especially like when Cruz like the other thing about Cruz involving himself with the action so much mm-hmm. is that you really do feel the emotional weight of that action you're right uh, especially in that last sequence with the helicopters when there's that, you know, the, basically the the ticking time bomb is literally happening. Right. And again, very well edited to put together to... Because it's one of those things, again, you kind of know things are going to turn out well. You know, it's an impossible movie. They, they're They're going to... You
1: know, Not no oh, no. Well, there was that one moment at the end of this movie when I legitimately thought that they were going to end on a bad note. Yeah. Like when, the, when they.
0: But but the, that's the thing though. <laughs> but that's what I was getting to. It's like you kind of again have that inkling of like, well, it's a Mission Impossible movie. They gotta save the day at the end. But right. they they really play. They really get it down to the wire in again a well directed, well edited way where things are like, you really think that there's a moment where, oh, they could end this on a bad note. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like, like everything of it, because it's like them cutting between, you know, cruising the helicopters and you know, Michelle Monhan's like helping out being Raims with the bomb. Mm-hmm. And then Benji's trying to find the other one. Rebecca Ferguson is fighting Solomon Lane in this weird house somewhere. It's like everything kind of really comes together. And it's just, and it's just so perfectly placed. Mm-hmm. It's just like every, Thing is so paced well and so in the right order, if that makes sense. Mm. And it's just, it's just so. When I saw this movie in theaters, because if I don't know, uh, we actually saw this on a double feature in theaters. Oh yeah, we one to, of the
1: best double features. Uh, yeah, of that of that uh, year.
0: Uh, one of the best, like I would put a top, like just memorable double features. because yeah. we did Teen Titans go to the movies. Yeah, which is also a very fun movie. Um, and then this one right after that. But, like, and it was also one of the things we saw, like, in an AMC, kind of a bigger screen type of thing. Mm-hmm. And and we were sitting kind of in an upper rows and just – because they also shot this with IMAX cameras and stuff like that. And then as soon as that third act starts and you see these, like, big-ass helicopters mm-hmm. in this beautiful, like, mountain setting mm-hmm. and just, like, crazy, like, weaving in and out and, like, cruise is, like – Trying to figure out how to, you know, Ethan Hunt's character, like, doesn't know how to try to fly a helicopter, so he's, like, trying to figure it out on the fly. Things are going crazy. Right. But Superman's mustache is, like, you know, trying to, like... So, okay, so...
1: I know I said this after the mustache bit, but you mentioned the helicopter thing. Yeah, this is something I want to get down finally on the podcast that I've mentioned so many times. That's kind of absurd about this movie. Yeah, because one of the things I think that's written well about the Ethan Hunt character, because I and again I think I'll get your thoughts on like kind of like the plot and everything. I I still maintain like the it's written in a way where at least for me like it's like I whatever's going on you know like you know I I know that there's like a whole plot with what is it like the the evil, who are the bad guys? What are their names? Oh,
0: like the Solomon Lanes like group.
1: Like, yeah, yeah, people. like I've heard they they have like a, a certain name. They're the Rogue Nation or whatever. Like yeah. they like, you know what's going on with them? It's like okay, whatever. Like that doesn't really matter. We just want to like I just want to see like how they solve the problem or how they complete the mission mm-hmm. I, I, in in that case. But what I what is great about the Ethan Hunt character that I think they make him likable is like it's a character that I don't think realizes like how cool and capable he is because he's just so much of like this is just the job yeah so like but
0: like he's uh, so focused on what he needs to right do.
1: but what's so crazy is that they make him that he can do anything so at one point what was so absurd they're called the apostles the apostles yeah right
0: and they're following this man john lark who like yeah no- nobody knows who he is so
1: at one point he hops into this this helicopter yeah and now you could have just did the shortcut of like, oh, Ethan Hunt knows how to fly a helicopter. So he gets into the helicopter and then flies off. But this movie in a strange way makes it that he gets in the helicopter clearly. is like, oh man, I'm, I'm kind of like, like out of my depth here. And then a, Cut later is flying the helicopter. So he's so capable that he can learn how to at least functionally fly a helicopter in yeah, a couple and it's minutes. Like not well, not perfect. <laughs> no, but it's but like but like... I always was fascinated, but why add that moment that he couldn't fly the helicopter because he ends up flying the helicopter yeah. pretty I I just it's such a bizarre moment in the movie that I love it. I don't I don't know why. Um but but yeah, I mean. That is the one thing, and I know we've talked about a little bit because it's like one of the things about the James Bond movies that I always have a trouble like really following what's going on plot wise. Yeah, and in this, the direction of all the action and the character interplay and like a lot of like what is the obligatory like, uh, you know, uh, like for instance, like him talking to Vanessa Kirby, who's awesome in this movie this, is, by this the way. is the
0: start of my little crush on Vanessa yeah. Kirby um, she's great she's
1: amazing in this movie but you know that that scene where it's like hero talks to one of the villains of yeah. the thing and then they kind of have their interplay like all that stuff is written to perfection I mm-hmm. think it's all executed and this is why he's such a great director because all that stuff is executed in such a great way that it, like like, really, what's going on in the plot?
0: Well, I, I, I think that both like, of McQuarrie...
1: Does, but here's the thing. Does it really matter no, what's but, going on? but
0: I do think the, the strength of the McQuarrie films... Yes. ...is that really their plots aren't that complicated. Right. Like, there is... Because like, in Rogue Nation, it's very much like there's a disc. They want what's on the disc, what's on the disc. And, like, you know, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Like, unlocking what's on the disc so we know what we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. In this one, it's like, okay, there's these plutonium things that could be made to bombs. We have to find the bombs before, you know, we have to figure out where the bombs are. Mm -hmm. Everything else is just, like, to that one goal. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, like, you know, and then it eventually transitioned to, like, Superman's mustache is evil. And Mm -hmm. he's like, actually John Lark. Okay, now we have to, you know, he's taking the bombs to cashmere. We're going to stop him there. Same thing at the end of, you know. Uh, rogue nation where it's like yeah now lane's kind of a little bit more in there and there's this conspiracy within the british government but like hey we're gonna catch this guy we're gonna catch lane it's gonna be done i think the thing is like and a lot of times like uh, uh, the, the worst of the bond movies in terms of their plots do this mm-hmm. where it's like they just overly complicate it like as much as like again the same like as much as like we do enjoy moonraker it has that issue where it's like okay well like you know there's this plot of like well we have to find out what happened to moonraker but then it's like oh well You know, it might be Drax, but there's this glass thing. We're going to Venice. Oh, there's this plant thing. We have to go to... Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, But but basically, like, the thing is, like, because these two McQuarrie films especially are so streamlined to, like, there's basically one thing and everything surrounds that one thing. Mm -hmm. When you insert the action sequences, they're still all directly, like, to this thing. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, okay, he wants this disc. Well, we have to steal the disc. But it's all about the disc in Rogue Mm -hmm. Nation. It's all about the the, the bombs, the plutonium in this movie. Right, right. That... So that when it is like again, the plot really doesn't matter, but be- it's because the plot's very simple it, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And it's just like all the everything else that's there, just serves that simple plot.
1: I think so, but I will also say that I do feel like that there are a couple more moving parts. And I and I, and I think this is, like, the one reason why I like this movie more than Rogue Nation. Mm-hmm. But I honestly may like Ghost Protocol just a little bit more just for my personal taste. Yeah. Is just because, like, there's still a couple of, like... And again, what's great about it is that the movie doesn't like require you to focus on it too much. But there, there is a, a couple things like, all right, we're after this Solomon Lane guy who we defeated in the last movie, but there's another guy out there, and then it's like, wait, is that Solomon Lane? No, it's actually Henry Cavill. So there's a little bit of like, yeah,
0: that but plot fuckery. All, I like, it, I think it all serves but again, the same purpose.
1: I think that because the energy and the direction of the movie is so efficient that. It's hiding a lot of, like, that's—it's not asking you to be that invested in that element of the plot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's really just—again, it, it's super—it's just a super efficient movie, I, I think. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, a couple other notes, I think. Oh,
1: and—sorry. Yeah, go ahead. You. you, know, no, go you ahead. Go ahead. no, I was just going to say, like, maybe just on that note, just a, some of my— I not want to say quibbles with yeah. the movie, but it just any anything that probably just being honest about maybe the things I'm not as hot about uh, in in the movie, and it's not that I don't like these these things. It's just so this is like I think the thing I'm going to get the most crap for about this movie uh, and just the franchise in the franchise up until this point. I don't know how much I'm sold on Rebecca Ferguson. Like I. I don't know yeah, I don't know if I'm quite as enamored with Rebecca Ferguson as much as other people have been. And I don't know whether it's because I no, you know what? That's not fair to say. I like her. I don't know how much I'm invested in the the Ela Faust how do you yeah, say Ela Faust. Faust character? Like, I get it. And I think that, you know, they kind of have like the thing where, you know, she was, you know, she was like a secret agent on the for MI was it MI six, yeah, yeah, but then like she was kind of like in that Mission Impossible Force thing where it's like she went on a mission and now like nobody knows like she was undercover and then yeah, like she, her government she, left her behind. She
0: faked being part because like, like in Rogue Nation, Solomon Lane is all like he's a former British agent who is like everybody who's working for him are like former agents, right? Like, you know who who left their who left their countries, right? Uh, and then her character in that movie is basically, like, purposely undercover, but the British government's going to screw her over, essentially, uh, because, like, you know, there there's corruption there. And then in this movie, she's still trying to pay off that debt. But, right, like, right. Because, like, the government wants, like, like killed because mm-hmm. he knows too much. Yeah. Uh,
1: I Yeah, I, I just think I'm – I think it really comes down to – I like Rebecca Ferguson, but I don't know how into that plot line – I I'm oh, in. I'm I'm very into it because I, I I have to be honest. Like every, I remember the first time I was like, oh yeah, her and Solomon Lane have kind of a connection. Yeah, I think, and I don't know whether it's because the w- her endpoint into the movie is still very much like a oh remember me, and then yeah. like she comes in the movie, so yeah. um you know she gets him at the end, and I'm kind of like okay, like yeah. uh, like I I, I I don't know if I'm as into that part of the movie. I, oh, and then especially like then they do the. Like oh, her and Ethan Hunt have a connection. See, which, I kind of like that. Yeah, like, I'm, I, I, I don't, I I'm don't know.
0: Sort of. I'll be interested to see where that goes off because again, I could like, I like kind of their. Like again, I like that Ethan's put her in his like kind of circle of caring. Yeah, uh, his little circle of caring. I like that term. Um, but I do feel like I would, I would personally like buy it if it went somewhere else too. Like mm. I, I really enjoy kind of the little moments for between them in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited for more of that personally. Yeah. Um, I just had some other little um, things to mention.
1: Yeah. The, the only other thing I love the reveal of Michelle Monaghan at the end of this. And I love that she like gets in onto the story yeah. in the end. Yeah. I would say probably my not favorite part of the movie is the whole, like, and she's there with, like, her current husband and, like, who, like, was that Wes Bentley? Yeah. Like, I'm like, okay, like, and then, like, I I don't know if I needed the the tying off of, like, the character arc of, like, you know, he's okay with, like, her going off and living her own life and, like, he's kind of doing this all for her. Like, I that part like i get i'm like i don't know like that same
0: thing i'm just like their last moment together in the in the bed where it's just like you know when he's like ball beat up is i think it's just nice i like that yeah
1: i think it's a nice moment i maybe it's just i don't care (laughs) i I, like and again it's they get me on board with him in tom cruise so it's not like it's like ways it's just like i'm kind of like all right i don't
0: have any of these issues guys I'm i'm very much enamored with both of these things um I, it's just like who
1: cares if they're together. Like yeah. <laughs> like, like no, just, but I also don't know. I I frankly don't think the movie really puts It's just that thing for me that I do think it's because he's the super he's like the the lead guy mm-hmm. and Rebecca Ferguson is the lead girl so they're going to like have like some sort of connection with each other. And I'm like, it it, it seems very put upon in the movie. I
0: I think that to me, like, again, it's one of those things where I would be dependent on where it goes, because like, I would like it to be just kind of a nice little like work friendship type of thing. Like that would be like my most ideal version of it. But if it goes like in a more romantic aspect, it just depends on how they play it. But I I would not be opposed, but I would, I have my preferences. Um, going back to something was earlier again, just a little last notes. I do love how when Cruz uh, – when Ethan Hunt is playing the the bad guy character mm-hmm. um, for, like, Vanessa Kirby because she's, like, kind of the black market dealer. I love, like, how Cruz plays how uncomfortable Ethan is playing that role. Yeah. Because, like, one is that, like, again, there's that – the thing is, like, there's that whole sequence where, like, you know, they're, like – you know, and again, he's like trying to play coy because he's like trying to reveal he doesn't actually know. He's like trying not to reveal he doesn't know anything, mm-hmm. and then he's like, "Oh yeah, no, we're gonna have to kill everybody." And he's like, "Oh yeah, well, of course, I'm a, I'm a really bad guy, mm-hmm. and that's what I do." But I also love the moment when like, um, like they're discussing like, you know, like they get back together, Vanessa Kirby and Tom Cruise, and. She's like, well, what went wrong? And it's, it's like, oh, like your brother. Like he starts like, oh, your brother's plan was like too crazy, and like mm-hmm. I, I had to do this. And then like this gets to a point where Vanessa Kirby just kisses him, and Tom Cruise is like, uh, yeah, mm. this is totally something I would do.
1: I, you know what? Now that you're kind of mentioning all this, because I feel about Vanessa Kirby that I feel like a lot of people feel about Rebecca Ferguson in these movies. Like to me, like. That was the character in this movie that I was like, first of all, Vanessa Kirby in the role outstanding yeah. is amazing. And it's also a type of role because there's a little bit of Ela Faust is female Ethan Hunt. Yeah. Like and they they kind of play off of that in the in Rogue Nation mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, their fighting skills, they're like so on point that they can like easily slip into fighting with each other if they want. Whereas like Vanessa Kirby is like, that's a dynamic and a character. That you don't see because they don't really even really delve into that. Like you could tell if like this was a Bond movie, Bond would have had her in bed oh, by yeah, like and yeah. by like scene three with yeah. her. But in this one, they kind of have that flirtation in there, yeah. but it's clearly they do draw that line of like, oh yeah, she's being flirtatious, but she has so much agency because she's a legitimate like crime kingpin in the black market. Yeah. And it's, and it's such like an interesting dynamic that I haven't seen in a lot of movies yeah. that to me, that was like a standout and I yeah. loved her and I loved that role. in And the again, movie. I
0: just love the tension of that last scene, especially when, uh, Superman's mustache and uh, Tom Cruise are fighting on the uh the cliff side yeah, and it's like he's, yeah which
1: by the way when Tom Cruise another moment where he's fucking Batman is when he just starts free climbing the, the yeah the and it mountains. does it does pay off the opening of Mission Impossible <laughs> not only too. does it pay off Mission Impossible too, but I you know I don't know a lot about mountain climbing but I'm just kind of like that's impossible <laughs> well it's Mission Impossible <laughs> um, and again like yeah. there is
0: the moment you mentioned where like they're basically like, cause the whole thing is like, again, like plot device of all plot devices where it's like, they like have to cut the wire at the same time that they like turn off the key to the bomb or whatever, yes. or like turn yeah. off the device. It's like, if, if one goes too early, then it doesn't work. And so they're basically like, we're going to cut it with like two seconds left. Why not? Like, why one? Why don't one have two seconds? Right. It's like, it's too close. And then there is that moment where basically like, you know,
1: does this movie does this movie do that as well? Cause I, I remember like that was like remember we always go back to the end of Winter Soldier, and we're like our only problem with Winter Soldier is that they play the ah oh, he stopped it at one second. <laughs> and it's like, really? Yeah. Does it always have to be just well, no, one no, second No, 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 but that
0: Benji, Benji calls little out. Yeah. Because, like, Ving bit wants to do one, and Benji's like... Why one? That's like one second. <laughs> Don't, all right, two. Fine, two.
1: That's really funny. Yeah, no, uh, you're right. That's a great uh, but
0: then like they do the thing where they they show the white light and it's like oh like did, did the bomb go off? Did they fail? And then yeah. like it's just the sunrise and, which again <laughs> and Cruz is like laying on the side of a cliff like like the key whatever dangling like off to the side and he's like basically dead and right. it's like just amazing. Yeah, it's no, it's so it,
1: good. It, 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 it's all it, it, it's all really good and like and. All of those, and especially, like, how Superman's mustache goes out, like, with the hook to the face. Oh, yeah, 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 And yeah. I'm just like, Ooh. And he's, like, a,
0: like I mean, like, he plays his part well enough, Henry Cavill. I
1: like Henry Cavill in I, general, like, like, yeah. and I think he's great in the movie. I, he
0: plays it well enough, and, like, the mustache really adds to his assholery, I think. You're right. Like, I'm glad they didn't shave it off for a Super Justice League movie. Um, Can I
1: say, though, I do, if I had one nitpick, is, like, I think, in retrospect... Like, the, I think he's too antagonistic at the top of the movie, and I don't know for what reason. Yeah. That would be my only, especially if you're going to reveal he's the bad guy. Yeah,
0: I kind of, I don't know, I kind of feel like.
1: Because the reveal that he's a bad guy. Is
0: very obvious.
1: Yeah, or it's kind of like when it comes, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, more of the reveal in that scene is, like, the whole, like, oh, like. So, uh benji is pretending yeah. to be solomon lane so I've, it's like that that would be my I feel like thing. i
0: mean i think there's supposed i mean i think the intention is to have suspicion because he also like tries to frame ethan hunt right like, and there's very specific that's true they're
1: not like clearly because the whole thing yeah, is like he right.
0: turns in the phone to his boss um and like you know the phone that ethan Hunt had was cracked but this one is not cracked and so it's basically like oh like he's framing ethan hunt for right. this thing mm-hmm. and uh, Alec Baldwin returns from uh, Rogue Nation, and I find like he's he's still fun like to watch as an oh, actor. Oh, you know
1: what? Another thing. Why kill him?
0: Yeah, I kind of feel that. Yeah, way Yeah, it's just like come it's, on. It's it's very much like a Harrison Ford style. I don't want to be in these movies anymore. Yeah, and like it's just like well then we might as well. You know come. what
1: makes it worse too? This may actually be I think the only closest thing to a not well refined part of the movie is not only is he killed, but they give him, like, a, man, we're so glad to have you on board, like, in, like, just the scene before, because they kind of play that... Like ah Ethan Hunt, you gotta stick by the books, but he's also defending Ethan Hunt. He's like ah you're giving me a headache, Ethan. Right, and
0: then he's also kind of playing into like their
1: plan too. Right, so So the fact that like they make him part of the plan, and he's like man, I could get used to this, and then in the next scene, kill him. I'm kind of like eh, not not my favorite, not not my favorite again. But these are all little kind of like quibbles and nitpicks on on an otherwise very excellent, well directed and uh,
0: no Jeremy Renner because he was shooting Endgame.
1: Yeah, is that what it, is that what it was? Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I think we do need to talk about though is just as a extension of Bond. why we're talking about this. Yeah, because so kind of this is
0: actually goes into why I picked this movie to talk about because obviously I wanted to talk about Mission Impossible. I thought it was like another kind of big action modern spy genre thing. Right. We could have talked about the first one, but I feel like we've talked about a lot of first movies, and like that first one doesn't really fill into it. Whereas I feel like where I think there's elements of the McQuarrie Impossibles. That you could inject into like the next Bond, and I think it would really work. Because when you, when I've when we were going through this history, when we were doing this whole podcast, and um, you know, going through all these Bond movies and seeing like the stunts and seeing like that kind of insanity put on that page, uh, and put into those Bond movies and the work that they did, especially like in the 60s and 70s when it was much more Wild West in terms of how they did those stunts. I felt like that in some ways Mission Impossible has taken over that element and like an eclipse Bond in that regard. Oh yeah. And and especially because like you know and and like because that was what the Bond that was one of the things about the Bond franchise It's not just like kind of the spies you know and the getting the girl and everything like that and the big plan. It was like there's always like crazy stunt sequences and, and crazy things happening in these movies. Yeah, And I feel like obviously like the Craig movies have toned that down a little bit. They've started to kind of get a little bit more into it with some of the stunt work in skyfall inspector, but mission impossible has really taken what the bond franchise started with that in stunt insanity and, and pushing it to its limit. Like again, I think I'm, i agree with you that like the halo jump sequence is probably my overall least favorite of the action sequences but it is kind of a nice connection to Bond because Bond has done that a couple times, mm-hmm. and it's but 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 Mission Impossible is like, can you? I'm just imagining like a Bond doing that now, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of in, in Mission Impossible going bigger, and that's what I think the Bond franchise kind of misses sometimes is that that need to go bigger. Because that was always the thing. It was like they go they go, go, big or they go big and then they kind of take it back and they go big and go big. And then these Craig movies have kind of been somewhat in that way but like kind of still on a steady They're pace. shackling
1: themselves for a reason that I don't know is completely yeah. justified. And I feel
0: like, like Mission Impossible is one of those examples of like you could make that work mm-hmm. in a Bond movie. And I think the reason I chose Fallout is because it's like not only is it a favorite of mine – but I think it's the ultimate example of like, well, this is stuff you could be doing with Bond. Mm-hmm. And I think that is something that I hope that whatever the, the future holds for Bond and whatever post-Craig life we live in, I hope that there's some room for that.
1: I think after talking about this movie, I'm 100% in the belief that this should be the model for how a James Bond movie should be made. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is not only because of your obvious like because the thing about it is like you know I'm always eye rolling at when like people want to take it as like the pride of this is why this movie's better than anything else cuz they're like these physical stunts and everything like you know just do your craft and do it well like yeah. no need to kind of like uh, like try to like you know, stand up on a soapbox about it. But I will give credit where credit's due is that all the physical set pieces and the running and the chase scenes are so visceral and so fun and so well done. Have just a little bit amount of like the the cheese and the comedy to it. Like, and there's a little bit of like, you're kind of like, ah oh, come on. Like, this is crazy. This is fun. Yeah. There's a little bit of that yeah. aspect to it. But ultimately, the other biggest thing that I think about it is that one of the things that have kind of we've I've complained about with these new James Bond movies is that they're just up their own ass so much. Yeah. And then they're they're trying to be like these like serious, like either character pieces or really delve into like right. these ideas without actually doing that. And there really isn't anything bigger, broader idea about the Mission Impossible movies. I mean, like the depth is in the margins and with the character stuff that keeps us yeah. entertained and focused in. And honestly, like, I think James Bond needs to do the same thing. I think it needs to be ultimately about the mission, how to execute that mission in the most fun way possible, and keep all your character stuff to the little moments in the margins. I think that's how you should do it.
0: Like, again, like, even even though this franchise Mission Impossible has completely eclipsed what its original vision was in that show, Mm -hmm. what does it always start with? It always starts with the fuse, and it always starts with the tape. Mm -hmm. And it always has, like, you know, whatever it may be, and it's just the mission and again, like, we haven't had a just a general mission movie for Bond in such a long time right. now. And I think that also, that you're completely right in that, you know, when I, I kind of like, if you look at a Mission Impossible like this one, you kind of like compare it in my head to like those middle Moore films or like early Brosnan, mm-hmm. where it's just like, you know, like if you look at The Spy Who Loved Me and like the crazy ski sequence and the, the car chase and how like crazy that gets and the big, huge tanker sequence at the end or moonraker right it's just like you know this was what bond was it was kind of these big old movies and again sometimes it would go small again but it would always return to something bigger right and i feel like i want the next bond movie to be big and i feel like because you when you look at this and i like we're not going to really look specifically at fast and the furious but that's where the fast and the furious franchise has succeeded as well mm-hmm. um and i think that that's kind of you know
1: where we need to be going with bond it, it and this is no pun intended, but it does feel like Bond feels like it needs to have the tie on at all times. And yeah. and, and and by that I mean he, it feels like the guy in the room that while everybody is like doing their do- job just as well, but they're like you know fooling around and like you know make cracking jokes at the lunch table. That this is the like the Bond franchise feels like that guy. It's yeah. like okay, guys, everybody, like let's try to be an adult now. Like you know, they it, it feels like the franchise that is trying to be earnest and bring a certain prestige to the proceedings Mm -hmm. while also being like kind of like a dumb spy movie and it just it's just not jiving in in the way that it that I feel like they think it should and I think that Mission Impossible is honestly fulfilling all that stuff that I would want out of a a bond and that's why I wanted to look at this franchise Yeah. yeah and 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 as I said, like my my closing thoughts on the movie itself. I mean, the movie the movie is super fun. I, yeah. I think it, it, oh, it it's so much it, the edgier seat. The score is amazing. Oh, Loren Balf, yeah. baby, yeah, Lauren Balf is like his work on this is extraordinary. How he feeds in the theme song into yeah. like the into everything. Yeah, um, that all stuff his, is good. Like, use
0: of drums and stuff is really nice. And
1: I I would say that this would probably be for me second only because. My only, the only thing I I do prefer just a tad bit more about Ghost Protocol is that it's a little bit more of a streamline A to B, other than like kind of like some of the stuff with the Renner character where yeah. they're like they do some reveals in that movie that I'm kind of like what, yeah. uh, whereas like this movie you know there is there are some kind of like mm-hmm. machinations with like certain yeah. characters and certain agendas so. It's literally just like ironed out by a wrinkle for me, but otherwise, like, I mean, yeah, I would, this film I, I is mean, great. for
0: personally, for me, I would just having rewatched them all, um, two is the worst, but mm. uh, I would put the two McQueer movies, I would put Fallout and Rogue Nation if I wanted to. You know
1: what? I, while we're on that subject, like, I liked Rogue Nation, yeah, I thought it was fun and I thought it was solid. Yeah. I think that. Again, that was one that maybe it came down to just kind of like just a. There are like maybe one too many things in the subplots I, going I mean, on for is me. It's all
0: your personal preference. I yeah. kind of actually felt like a recent rewatch of Ghost Protocol. I think like it's just kind of, I just think I like the the tone and the style of the McQuarrie films. Mm-hmm. That just like kind of hit. No, that's me fair.
1: Yeah, that, that is fair.
0: Um. So yeah, that's Mission Impossible Fallout. Yeah. The movie came out and it was hugely successful. It beat Ghost Protocol to become the most successful Mission Impossible movie. Extremely well reviewed, and everybody just basically was like really impressed by basically the stunts and and the performances as well, and just how put together the movie was. Mm-hmm. And uh, McQuarrie and Cruz have already said that they're going to be teaming up for two more Mission Impossible movies, mm-hmm. so it's going to be the verse version of this for quite a while now. Yeah, and, and, and it, it's it'll be interesting to see where they
1: go from. here I am interested to see where they go from it because it's one of those things where I'm excited, but it does give me a little pause because yeah. it is kind of one of those things where well, now we have, like, the team, and now let's confirm two more movies. I'm yeah. like, uh, and again, I'm I'm excited, but it is that one where we've like... been in such a, they've come out one movie at a time. Yeah. And I hope, my one hope going forward is that they do find ways to push themselves and to vary up the style and what's going on in the yeah. films a little bit. Yeah. Um, so it's not, especially, like, three movies in, because, like, it's one of the things about like John Wick three, which I liked a lot. Yeah. But there is a little bit of like the okay, like boom, 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 headshot, and then it's like but then when he does like a different thing, like it's very exciting. Like so when I, he rides a horse? Yeah, like when it like when John Wick's riding horse or getting in a knife fight, it's great. But when it's just like the the another scene of just him shooting people, it's kind of like, uh okay. Like so I don't that's my only kind of uh hesitation going into it, but I will say that he has proven himself to be such an adept writer and director of these films that I'm I'm very I it's it's in very good hands I think. Okay. I agree. But do you think they'll write Harrison Ford in the movies? Oh, who is Harrison <laughs> who, who is Harrison I don't I don't know if Harrison
0: Ford is going to be the next one but who is Harrison Ford in Michigan? I mean, can't they
1: just make him the president? Has the president been in these movies? Not particularly. Just not. make him the president of the United States. And he's like he like, gives a formal apology to uh like uh, for letting uh Superman's mustache infiltrate their numbers like yeah. you know he can he can he can be in that. Sure. Um Oh, my other hope is that Vanessa Kirby comes back. Yeah, that I want movie. her to be the new one of the new common characters in yeah, this franchise. like
0: where they go back to because they they do like just such a great. They lady. do like oh, they I love can, that like, character. Did you bring her back like at the end of the movie? Like tie her up like that go? They 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 you know handed her to Solomon Lane and she's gonna because she because she also is very adamant that she doesn't have a side. Yeah, that's her whole thing. So I it's would different.
1: also be okay if they don't follow th- up on any plot points in this. I this I would agree. Yeah. I
0: think that I'm I'm satisfied. I was actually, I was going to say that I was very satisfied with, like, having brought back Lane for me in this movie. I think it, like, worked enough for what the movie was. Yeah. I think you can move on from kind of that that plot line. Yeah. I think, Mm -hmm. like, you can still include uh, uh, Elsa, but, like, um, I think, like, the Solomon Lane stuff, I think, like, yeah, let's do something different.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... Uh, that's what I would say about that. So anyway, yeah. Um any other thoughts about that? No, movie? just what our next uh movie is going to be. Okay, so that uh that concludes um our mission impossible. We chose to accept yeah. it and um what does he say at the end of anyone? At the end of each one of his missions? Doesn't he say like mission like remember they joked about it in Ghost Protocol. in Ghost Protocol? mission accomplished or yeah, whatever yeah, when, he, yeah. <laughs> when he presses the button and mm-hmm. then he makes fun of it he's like wait you said that when you press the button yeah <laughs> i love it um but anyway yes we accomplished our mission in talking about this but next time um we are still in the world of adjacent bond spies yes. and we will be following uh superman's mustache but sans mustache correct actually i changed i so okay well Way to make me look like a fool. Yeah. He, he, and you know what, audience? I want you to see this because you can't see this because it's an audio format. Nick gave me the look, like, "All right, our next one is," and he let me. No, talk. I did not. This not he true. He kind of gave me. You should have. You should have. You should have snapped in there a little I, bit. Sooner. Okay, so we are still going to
0: look at Man from Uncle. Okay, but I did feel like we had a lot of modern movies in a row. Because we kind of did like a lot of '90s to 2000s movies. That's fair. And the the you know the the core of this podcast came from you know the Bond early '60s and and the Godzilla early '60s. I think we need to return to that era for a movie that I know nothing about other than it's a '60s American parody slash response to James Bond. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be taking a look at a 1966 movie called Our Man Flint okay um, that's because I, I wanted to switch it up a little bit like uh and i think the i think probably the next one after that will be man from uncle because mm-hmm. it is a fleming based thing and i will be looking at the modern film adaptation but i just wanted to kind of switch it up a little bit so that's,
1: that's fair all right so we uh, will be taking a look at that next time in yeah, the new and year i'm very, I'm
0: very interested because it's also been a while since we've seen something that i haven't seen that's true um so i do want to kind of there's always a fun part of that so i think we're going to start the new year with our man
1: flint um, but next time is not a James Bond movie. It's a Godzilla film in which we will finally be completing the official Toho Canon, the first film in the Reiwa era of yeah. the Japanese uh, pantheon of Godzilla films. Uh, it's been a long time coming, yeah. but we are finally going to talk about and dissect Shin Godzilla. I'm, ex- um, I'm excited. That's how we-
0: that's going to like complete my... My true Toho. Yeah, you will officially uh, Godzilla canon. Yeah,
1: and um and I think that would be a great way to wrap up uh, the end of the year. Um, so stay tuned for that. Um, and then we may have like a specific episode. Um. Maybe some sort of amalgam episode because we're only going to... So I, I think we should also say we're only going to be three times. Yeah. Uh, Three weeks this Yeah, uh, we'll figure out something
0: month. to put between the two. But uh, Christmas falls on a Wednesday. I don't think yeah. we'll have anything special for that this year. Yeah. I think we're going to take a little bit of a break at the end of the year. But Stay if tuned. you're listening to this on Wednesday, the day this comes out... Yes. We will be having a reaction... Uh, whether it's on Wednesday itself or a little bit later in the week. This will make no sense if you're listening to this months down the road. <laughs> um, but the No Time to Die trailer is confirmed to drop on Wednesday. Yes. So we will have a reaction to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll try to get that out as quickly as possible for you guys. And I know you're excited to know our thoughts. I I watched a little teaser mm-hmm. uh, of the trailer. Is on Craig doing Craig things? Yeah, there's a motorcycle going up a wall. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of excited. to see. There's a what? guy in a mask it's, at one point. I'm sure that's Rami through some, Malek. Through some glass. Yeah. Rami Malek probably wears a mask because yeah. <laughs> he's, he's Mr. Robot. Yeah,
1: yeah. and yeah, so he's used to wearing masks. Yeah. It's like that's why they hired him. <laughs> Cause he, he wore Freddie Mercury's mustache. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh yep. So stay tuned for that, everybody. Alright, but I got plugs for yes. you. Yes. Uh I am
0: uh, gonna tell you we can email us at bonzillapod Facebook.com slash bonzilla 7 uh twitter.com slash bonzilla double seven soundcloud.com slash bonzilla double seven
1: you can like you can subscribe itunes and soundcloud all right and with that we are done you're done i'm done and um have a good night everybody this podcast is the definition
0: of manifest destiny <laughs> no not, not that it is the storm <laughs> yeah the warrior whispers back the podcast whispers back uh i, I am the storm, storm. <laughs> back.